0: This is Alex Martin, and you're listening to the Moto X Pod Show.
1: Hey, this is Chicken. Thanks for listening to Moto X Pod.
2: Lately, I've been wondering what's been going on. I've been here before, but I don't remember when. And every time we get to where we're entering, I feel my beliefs and hope surrendering. But I know I'll be coming home soon Yes, I know I'll be coming home soon Cause like the enemies that we are battling I am nothing but a human alien Left with nothing else but to keep wandering down this path while stopping my hands trembling because i know that i'll be coming home soon and yes i know that i'll be coming home soon with the soldiers eye.
1: Episode 109 tonight, Uh, Mr. Hal Simpson in studio tonight, so I had to play a little Jack Savaretti Soldier's Eyes because, well, Hal's just a badass former soldier, man. He's here tonight. We got Dino on, so I had to get Hal in the studio. We got Zach Osborne, Uh, former racer and freestyler Nate Adams, and Jay Kavanaugh with Rack Racing, which is... um, you guys probably saw them out at Straight Rhythm. It's uh, Random Acts of Kindness. They were helping uh, AJ Catanzaro out. They do a lot of cool stuff and have them on. But yeah, like I said, episode 109. Who would have thought we'd make it this far? Um, keeps getting better and better, I hope. Uh, so let's talk about our sponsors real quick. You know, we're brought to you by Torque One Racing. They are the title sponsor of the Moto X-Pod show. And they're... Uh, Torque One Racing is providing high quality economical performance parts. Check out TorqueOneRacing.com for grips, pegs, Handlebars, shifters, brake pedals, and more. Johnny and Torque One Racing has a passion for the racing industry, so follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, we have longtime sponsors, Shock Socks, MX Girl Designs for all your graphic needs, All Sport Dynamic Wrist Braces, Mad Jack Synthetic, an independent Mzoil oil dealer, Dane Evans, uh, Fly Racing, of course, the best gear out there, Power Band Racing, a WP suspension, um, they do all, a lot of, you know, revalves, any, anything WP authorized. They're a WP authorized suspension uh, service center. we also got works, wheels, and mods on. We just gave away a ceracoating today to Mr. Mike Pemberton. And then, of course, Extreme Colors helmet painting. Uh, Kirk Hunter does all our painting for the giveaways we do. Uh, anything you want custom painted, any helmet, $295. Cannot beat that. So, how we uh coming off of A2, got a lot of big news today. Pretty cool, pretty eventful race. Um, man, what do you think about what's going on so far this season? It's good. Um, this was really the first, uh,
3: I guess, what we're used to is supercross. Uh, it wasn't a med- mud fest, or, right?
1: And wasn't know, super dry slick.
3: Right, correct. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't a, uh, what are they called, supermoto.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, it was a good race. Uh, uh, lots of uh twists and turns man uh you know the tomac wasn't in front or anywhere close to it for a while uh yeah moosecan was back to looking like old moosecan
1: yeah dude how about him passing Eli in the whoops oh uh, <laughs> uh,
3: yeah that was a that that was a solid move man that, that was, was a, that was a I was solid like, move.
1: okay what dimension are we in right now
3: yeah exactly and then cooper Webb i mean just yeah i'll tell you what man i like the kid i really really like that kid.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's because we just had him on the show, and then I did a podium with him the other day that I recorded. So, or, you know, or I guess I released that last week. I, I think that's what it was. Mm-hmm. That gave him what he needed it, to win. Exactly. Well, of course yeah. it is. Yeah, of I'm course. taking credit for that. No We're question. taking credit for that. No question. What does he say about that? I haven't asked. I mean, he's probably too busy talking to, you know, I, I probably need to talk to him and say, hey, man. Yeah. You know, well, you, need, you need to give credit where credit is due. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, well, let's, let's just kind of jump forward from the race a little bit. Came at, news came out today. Weigant uh, broke the news that Jason Anderson is out for at least for a while with an injury, supposedly happened yesterday. You mm-hmm. got the uh, conspiracy theorist that that actually probably happened during the off season, and mm-hmm. he finally realized he couldn't race with it. I certainly don't know. Uh, I'm gonna give the guy the benefit of the doubt. Whatever it doesn't matter to me when he got hurt. He's out. Yeah. Um, well, he
3: wasn't. He wasn't racing with it either. Yeah. He wasn't
1: doing very well. Yeah. Had a couple moments at Glendale that looked good. Um. But the the rumor is that Mr. Dean Wilson, your guy, mm-hmm. will be under that tent come San Diego. Yeah, exactly. Where he deserves to be. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, he's six in the points. Yep. Uh, in front of the former champion, uh, Jason Anderson. Yep. Zach has been hurt, so Zach has no points. Correct. So he is the highest uh, placing Husky rider at the moment. Yeah. Talk about a blue light special. Husky got a deal there, right? Yeah. The only, the only
3: uh, Husky up front is run by a guy that's not paid by them. You think uh think Dino should have said, No, nah, I'll just stay with my program? <laughs> I uh if Dino were me,
1: I would have said that. Yeah. I would have hung up and then called back and said, I'm just kidding you. <laughs> That'd have <laughs> been awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um man, I'm happy for him. You know, we I, I love Dean as well. Um you're you're his biggest fan, but such a great guy, so deserving. Works his ass off, and I mean, look, you know, had had some moments where he could have won A one. hmm Guys guys got all the skill in the world. Uh, got a lot of heart. Got yeah. a lot of his family behind him. He's he's he deserves it. Yeah, I mean, solid dude. Solid dude. Should have never lost the ride to begin with.
3: Yeah, and, and you know that's the, you know Bobby was in a Bobby Hewitt was in a bad position. I mean yeah. he had a, he had an upcoming champion. Uh, he had a returning champion. You know what are you going to do? Um, but still, I mean it's Husqvarna, right? I mean yeah. you would have thought that they enough. they could have put a third bike on the truck or and you know we don't know what they're what their arrangement is with Dean on the side, you know, but it sounds like they, they had, they made the best of a bad situation and you know, now Dean apparently might be on the truck again. And, but I'll tell you, it's the the scenario. I want to see what, how this scenario plays out. So what if Jason doesn't come back until the end of Supercross? he's not in the point standings anymore. there's no chance he's going to turn back with one return back with one Osborne, no chance compete with one Dean Wilson, could very well be in the top four, top five, competing all the way till Vegas. And what's going to happen when Jason Anderson comes back in six to eight weeks? Are they going to put Dean outside back in his sprinter van? I can't imagine they would yeah, do that. Yeah, I can't
1: imagine you do that either. You no, know, but then I wouldn't have imagined that he wouldn't have a ride this year either. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know because, man, I mean, they need, they need a guy up on the box. They need a guy up in the points. And, yeah, like you said, Zach and Jason – Aren't, that's not going to happen for those guys this year. That's out. Yeah. I, hopefully they won't. I don't want to say turn their back on Dean, but kind of turn their back on Dean a little bit. You know, like uh, yeah, kind of, kind of half half ass let him. Yeah. Just I don't know how to, what the word is I'm looking for. I feel like they did him wrong, although maybe I mean they still helped him out, but it wasn't yeah. what he deserved. The, the emotional side of me agrees 100% with you, right? but it's business also. But it's
3: a bit, yeah, and, you know, I work for a Fortune 50 company, and I have to deal with, you know, bunches of zeros every day, and I understand the the cost, and I understand also the return of investment. You have two champions returning to your tent. So you you have a budget, and and I'm sure Bobby worked out his budget a year before. So I understand that business part of it too, but still, I also know there's exceptions and there's contingencies, and – the contingency I feel like, you know, would have been to keep three motorcycles in the truck, and uh, and move it. But you know, who am I? I? I'm I manage different stuff. I don't manage a supercross team.
1: Yeah. Um. You. I, I'm changing the subject a little bit, but you talked about your the company you work for, a Fortune 50 company, is what you said. Yeah. What What's up with uh, a a BP sponsorship for the Moto MotoXPOD show? <laughs> Well, brother, <laughs> if if I was anybody, I, yeah, I would be able to uh, tell you. But but um, th- they are sponsoring indirectly by allowing me to come here tonight. That's true. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> hell, I mean, you know, and you're better than DJ huh? TJ any day. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of TJ, we're gonna call him here in a minute. Doc raced uh, Supercross Futures again at Anaheim Two, uh, and TJ was out there. But um, so anything else stand out for you though with the the A2? I mean, I, I'm. I'm listening to some of the other pods, you know, I, I uh, haven't got all the way through, but you, you got AC who, in my opinion, still the class of the field. If he can stay on the bike, what does he need to do different? What's going on with AC in your head? I get off that damn green motorcycle. You think that's what uh, it is? Well, We'll check this out, dude.
3: Okay. Uh, okay. What happens to Tomac crunch time? It's either his motorcycle breaks, rear wheel stops turning. He flies off of it. Um, uh, Savachi's meds wear off he flies <laughs> off of it um it's just like every time you see a green bike really start getting some momentum or we think oh, he's got it I mean I, what we we were all thinking the same thing about seeing Cirillo this last weekend and yeah. it just goes it went south quick I, I'm telling you I think those green bikes man they're get off of them
1: I mean look and it I hear what you're saying and even if if you don't believe it's the bikes issue, may, it's just a change, maybe. Yeah, but it still seems like he just does these little brain fart things, like Eli. Like we always say, Eli has a brain fart. Like, how do you wash your front end out yeah. like that? That I mean,
3: did you see him looking back? Uh, uh-uh. uh yeah, he, he look back. Yeah, go back, go back and watch the tape. Uh,
1: he he was looking Watched back. The tape. Ch- <laughs> he was- we don't use tapes anymore, pal. <laughs> this is nineteen eighty-eight. We don't. No. But <laughs> anyway, go ahead. <laughs> You'll have to help me with that. Okay. I need
3: a, I need an Instagram. Uh, do,
1: you, do you still coaching. use a Betamax? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> so go back and and watch the what is it called video? Yeah. The- watch the video. He's looking over his shoulder. Okay. And so is Anderson.
1: Well, yeah, I, um, I definitely it, saw it, him doing it.
3: I'll tell you, man. It it's dealing with pressure, and yeah. I, you know I, I come from a world where pressure is 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 it's beat into you. You have to operate under pressure, and um, if you can't, you're not left at that level. I'm not saying these guys shouldn't be left at that level, but I wonder how much training under stress training do they do? You know, I mean, honest to God, like pressure training. And, and, you know, last night, did you, uh, listen to the pulp show? Uh, no, no, I
1: actually started it today but I hadn't I'm about 2 hours in. So I have listened to some. I'm yeah. not sure what you're going to say. So
3: I well, I'm going to give you a spoiler here but okay. uh Webb is talking about his difference in training um, with uh Baker. I,
1: that's where I'm at. I like so, he just started to ask, he just asked Webb about Right. The, the rumored issues. Right.
3: So, you know, Alden is a uh, – he was in the South African Army. And I've had a chance yes. to talk to him a few times at nationals. And, and uh, w- you know, one of the things that he and I agreed on was, you know, military training, you train harder than you fight. That That's the whole premise of, okay. of training. You train harder. You train longer. You get hotter, colder, wetter than you do for a fight. You train under stress with no sleep, no food, um, and then lack of communication. Well, these clubs and these places where these guys train, they're catered to. And I'm not saying they're not working their ass off. Sure. Believe me. I'm not saying that. Yeah, yeah. But Webb made a comment last night to Steve that when he got to Alden's place, he was not in as, as good a shape as he thought they didn't. They thought he was in better shape yeah. or would have that's, been in better that's shape. That's
1: literally where I stopped it, yeah. right when he said and, that. So and he said that so far. he
3: had been practicing at about 70% his entire career oh, until wow. he got to Baker's.
1: Okay, I hadn't and heard that And Baker
3: part. was saying, hey, dude, what's up, man? You're three seconds a lap faster than everybody else. And you know, he made the comment that, you know, I got it. When it, race day comes, I'll kick it up and I'll be up there. And Alden was like, no, that's not how we do it here. Well, you take a look at – his performance in the in the first three races now this year compared to last year, and mm-hmm. it's so. I my point is, you know, that whole philosophy of pressure training, high intensity training, stress, stress management. Are those guys on those Kawasaki bikes? You know, doing that? Are they? Are they stressing how to think and be keep composed under extreme, uh, extremist pressure?
1: Yeah, well, I, very unlikely because how how do you really mimic that in a practice situation? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how, how you do that.
3: Yeah, well, and didn't didn't Other Anderson than practicing
1: with a lot of guys? Your speed
3: didn't Anderson go to California and yeah. come off the
1: well last uh, year anyway? I don't know if he did this year. Yeah, and I
3: mean, if if he did this year, look at his performance. I I just believe you fight like you train.
4: Yeah, well, I've, I've, I've
3: seen it over twenty years in a in a career that you know you can't expect somebody to act properly if you don't train them in a solid
1: environment no i totally agree you know that's something like i've always thought with like where these guys certain guys that like to train alone i mean you can't there's no way you're race ready yeah it's completely different you have to th- talk about their like what we're talking about now their physical you know their the physical part and the mental part of practicing cannot match racing yeah but you gotta at least find the closest um, the mere image of that as possible. And I think that means practicing and racing or practicing with guys, your yeah. same ability and actually bumping elbows instead of going, all right, I'm going to go 30 seconds behind you and see if I can catch you. Yeah. That, I mean, I guess you can build some intensity doing that, but I think you need a guy next to you going over the jumps mm-hmm. and taking your lines away in corners and being, Oh shit, that was close. You know? Yeah. Because your heart rate's going to jump. You oh, get into a race. Yeah, pressure. you get into a race and like, well, 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 in practice this guy wasn't in my line. Now he is. It, yeah, it, it does, doesn't work. I don't think.
3: Yeah, it does, I, we'll watch Tomac when somebody's challenging from the rear. You can see the guy, his line choice goes away, or maybe, yeah, maybe he's yeah. trying to pick another line, but you can just see a change in the way he's the way he sits on the motorcycle, the way he's attacking. He seems tensed up. Where if he has a Tomac lead, like we've seen so many times. The dude flows he's relaxed but the minute you put somebody unexpected on his rear fender he starts getting a little little squirrely yeah and and what does he do i mean you can
1: almost set your watch by it he's going to do something goofy. sure yeah it's uh yeah it's interesting something to think about hey let's take a quick little break we're gonna try to get tj back on here for just a few minutes and then we'll have zach here in about well 20 minutes real time won't seem like it won't be 20 minutes hopefully on the show (laughs) all right we'll be right back with tj All right, we're back, and uh, we got DJ TJ on the phone. He is out in SoCal, the greatest place on earth, in and out Burger, beaches, mountains that you can go snowboarding on and then go down and do some desert riding. Um, The Hottest women in the world. What do you think about California, TJ?
5: Everything you said about it is the opposite of the truth.
1: (laughs) You're a fucking idiot. State tax.
5: (laughs) I mean, okay. All right, hold on. First off, the the traffic is not as bad. We haven't been... We're not spending a lot of time in the city itself. But okay, hang on, hang on, time out,
1: time out. I didn't say shit about traffic. Everything I Hold said on, was. Talking about, you just said Houston everything was, I said was not true. So I'm
5: gonna get there if you just shut up for just a minute.
1: All right, hurry it. we only got about ten all minutes. The, good.
5: Well, it's not gonna take that long. It's just it's be quiet. It ain't gonna take that long. Anyways, the um, the traffic is not as bad. That's what everybody kept saying it's gonna be bad. It's gonna be bad. But all the stuff that everybody said is gonna be good. Like the moto scene. The scene is awesome. The dirt out here sucks. The track prep is terrible. I mean, these guys are obviously trying. They watered the track at Paula. So, um, almost by the time we left, we were there all day. But you just, basically, when you're watering rocks, it doesn't really help with traction at all. And, um, mm. in and out Burger is okay. I will say that they have the Del Tacos out here, and those things are amazing. I agree.
4: Um,
5: the beaches... The beaches are cold. If you're ever, if you have a wetsuit, you can surf right now. Other than that, the water's too cold, really, to get in. Oh. Um, I did go swimming in the pool yesterday or the day before, so it is warm enough for that. I know y'all are freezing there, but yeah, not everything is cracked up to be, bro.
1: All right, so I'm going to back up a little bit. <clears throat> okay, I, I, I still think in and out is fantastic. Most of the country does, so that you're 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 wrong there. Um, what a burger. Waterburger burger sucks compared to in and out, but anyway. Um the there beaches is. I said are beautiful. I didn't say they were warm. Yes, the water's cold, but once you get in, it doesn't fuck you don't feel it anymore. It's it's fine. The waves are awesome. You're so just a
5: it's just a big water. It's just a big any beaches you go to look
1: pretty. No, they don't. No, they do except not. there's some nasty ass beaches. Okay, then you can go up in the mountains. You can't deny how beautiful the mountains are. And if you like to get in the snow and snowboard, it's epic you can go in the desert and ride the desert, which is epic. Nobody ever, and nobody ever said the fricking dirt in California was great. Everybody says it sucks. You hear that every year. So like, if you going in thinking it's going to be like Texas dirt no. or East coast dirt, then you were an idiot, but I just expected since this is moto
5: heaven, supposedly that they would have at least a few good places to ride.
1: Okay. Well, uh, and then, like I said, the, the women, man, I mean, come on.
5: It's, no, I haven't noticed anything. The women in Texas are just as beautiful as anywhere else. So if okay. you don't believe that, then you are a retard.
1: Okay. Fair enough. So, hey, tell us about Doc racing Supercross Futures uh, Sunday.
5: Um, Well, uh, Sunday he did exactly what we wanted to do. He wanted to get right in through the heat races and uh, not go to LCQ. exactly what he did. Um, no problem there. Got his spot in and then just do better than he did last week. Last week he got a 15th and a 17th. This week he got two 14th. He's doing, uh, you know what I mean? we yeah. uh We're not putting any pressure. I don't care where he finishes. We just have little things we're working on with, you know, getting the rhythms down. I mean, there's there's a lot to this, and I don't want to push it. A lot of these kids come out here and push, and they're trying to They think that if they do good, that some factory team is going to pick him up or some stupid <laughs> crap like that. Right. And there's literally, like, I mean, Will Hahn and I were talking about it, like, during the few futures, and we were laughing about that. Like, there's no factory team going to help out some kid because he did good at some futures race. Sure. You know what I mean? There's a lot more to it than that. But anyhow, um, doing exactly that. This week, we didn't get to ride last week. This week, we're going to ride probably three, to- three days. So, um, we're going in next week. Same plan. Qualify out of the heat races, and then move up in you know your results. Kind yeah. of shooting for a top ten. Uh, that's what he really wants to do.
1: Okay, cool. So, well, um, before we let I you mean, go, what what's the give me one thing you took away from the the race Saturday night, the uh, Triple Crown?
5: We need seventeen rounds of Triple Crown.
1: Seventeen, huh?
5: Wow. Yeah, we every, every round needs to be done that way. The qualifying throughout the day was way more interesting because the times matter so much. You're watching who's on the bubble. Mm-hmm. You're, you know what I mean? The qualifying was more, was more intense to watch. The, the racing was better. Every, there's a couple of tweets I think they should make real quick. I would, I would say that the 450s do three main events. And the 250s do two, So you start with the 450s, then, then a 250, then a 450, then a 250, and then the final one would be a 450, um, or something like that. But whatever has to happen to make Triple format the format for Supercross, I see that as a very viable feature because it is exciting.
1: I agree. I enjoyed it. I would like to see the LCQs televised on the main part of the show and not just on the app.
5: Yeah, I heard Daniel say something about that. Yeah, that's fine if you want to do if they want to do that, start with that. Whatever they got to do, but it is it is awesome as far as the. Um, I don't think the, the I don't think the mainstream fan cares about the LCQ, even though they can be awesome. I think just seeing, um, you know, the top guys out there more often, and the racing was better, and, and yeah, I'm all about it. Let's just. Let's make the change.
4: Cool.
3: I'd like to see a dash for cash, like add a add a add a bounty to the uh, podium.
5: Yeah, but how much would you have to put on that bounty to make these guys actually care about it? Because the guys who can win are, I mean, they're making millions of dollars pretty much. And then the guys who can't win, they're not going to all of a sudden can win because they're going to make an extra 10 grand.
3: Yeah, I'd, I'd, Still like to see it though, but you throw greenbacks in front of these cats, and they're gonna, (laughs) they're gonna go.
5: Yeah, yep. And then we need to need to figure out what we're gonna call them because they can't all be main event.
1: We already know. know, We already have a name for them.
5: The gangbangs. Yeah, I know that, but I mean, on a serious note. But yeah, I'm excited Uh, about it. It was. I didn't even want to go to Supercross. This. uh, a two until I realized it was a triple crown, and I'm glad I went because it was it was a the experience for somebody who is, I guess, burned out on going to super. I love watching on TV. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm not going to miss them, but being there is kind of blah. But the you're um being weirdo. there. I don't know. You're you're you, she, I'm the weirdo, but you're the one that hangs out with me.
1: That's true. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, we so anyhow, could, hey, you we, know, I was I was taught to treat everybody equally. <laughs> why? <laughs> I don't know why, Hal. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, if it was, yeah, why? If, I, I don't know. I will have to maybe I'll have to rethink some things. So, um, <laughs> all right, man. Well, hey, we got to wrap this up. We got Zacho coming up here in a few minutes. So, all right, man. All right, I'll, uh, Can't I'll, wait I'll wait to
5: listen, listen, listen back to that, man. I'll catch you later. Okay, see you, TJ. See Thanks. Everybody. Happy. Bye. All right.
1: All right, DJ TJ, before we take a quick break and get ready for Zacco, I want to mention, of course, Patreon.com. Uh, if you want to help support the show like Mr. Hal Simpson here does, go to Patreon.com, search out the Moto X Pod show. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, up to as much as you'd like. It really helps us out. Uh, as I say every t- week, the reason I get to go to a lot of these Supercrosses and get the content that I do is because, partly because of the Patreon supporters. It means a ton to us. Um We try to do giveaways and contests every week. If you're listening to the show, please enter these contests. Um, We get a a large number of entries sometimes, and sometimes we don't get very many. Um, There's always a chance to win. Like I said, Mike Pemberton uh, won. He's getting a a free seracoding on either a clutch cover or stator cover from Works Wheels and Mods. We just gave a helmet away, a free Fly helmet that uh, contributed by Fly, and then Kirk Hunter Extreme uh, Colors painted it for free. We gave that away. We're working on a subscription to the FMF, the drop subscription. That's a yearly subscription where you get, uh, you know, you get t-shirts every month, a, a, a new t-shirt every month that is not available to the general public. It's only for subscription purposes. And uh, Donnie Amler Jr. is going to give a free one away. So uh, we, we talked about last week how we're going to do that. Just send me a picture on Instagram, on the Moto Xpot Show Instagram of... Put up a picture of yourself with, whether it be an FMF, FMF exhaust, an FMF sticker on your bike, an FMF T-shirt, whatever. Something FMF that you have. Send me a picture. Tag FMF. Tag Moto X-Pod Show. And uh, we'll get you entered into the drop. And then we're giving away a power band WP uh, power valve Yeah, you use power band racing. Oh, yeah. Billy's a um, man. Ryan Sipes uses power band racing. And they're helping out... Um, yeah. Just, oh, uh, Club MX Lane with? Lane Shaw. They're helping yep, they're Lane helping Shaw out. Lane Club MX. So they're with, giving uh, a, yeah. They're giving a free revalve away. You just have to pay for the shipping and and I think parts and stuff. But I'll give you the details uh, at the end of the show. I'll tell you guys how how we're going to do that. I did it last week. We'll do it again this week. And we're giving some Amsoil away this week too. We'll talk about that later in the show. We're gonna take a quick break. Get ready for Zacco and we're back. Right, right, first guest of the night on episode 109 is Fly Racing Rockstar Husky number 16, Zach Osborne, and he is brought to you by Fly Racing. Since 1998, Fly Racing has been focused on developing the best gear possible. In 2019, Fly Racing will be a title sponsor in Supercross. Riders like Weston Pike, Blake Baggett, and our guest Zach Osborne, and even Damon Bradshaw wear Fly Racing products. Fly Racing should be your gear of choice, so go to flyracing.com or your local dealer to see all that Fly has to offer. What's up, Zach?
0: Not much, man. I'm just chilling here in California, um, trying to be prepared for when I get back to riding, hopefully on Monday. So um, yeah, it's getting close now. Looking forward to it.
1: Definitely, man. I, I uh, you know, I, <laughs> We had you scheduled the day you got hurt, and uh, that, was, that was a bummer. I, I could hear it in your voice that day. You know how bummed you were. But, man, it's, it's almost time to be back. How excited are you? How are you feeling?
0: Yeah, it was a, it was a nightmare situation. Um, you know, worst-case scenario, I got close to Anaheim, and uh, around the holidays it was tough to kind of get the surgery that I wanted um, from the right guy and everything. So that kind of prolonged things. And then, um, yeah, finally now I'm back to normal. I um, Actually, I had some broken ribs and scapula uh, a scapular fracture. Um, bruised lung and, and spleen as well, so it was oh, wow. a pretty big injury. Like yeah. it, was a, it was a big hit. So um, now you know we're almost uh, five weeks since the crash, um, through the surgery. So I'm kind of back to normal, feeling myself again, and uh, yeah, ready to get get going.
1: Well, do you uh, do you want to tell us what actually happened that day? Like the actual details of how the crash occurred? Or yeah, just, or just yeah.
0: I came out of a corner, and there was um, this kind of pretty basic wheel tap that we had been doing. Um, all winter, it was the last day that we were gonna get to ride before Christmas, and uh, yeah, I came out of the corner. Uh, somehow, got the first gear in the corner, realized it, spun a little bit, so I was really low on the wheel tap, and then uh, hit neutral, oh. and I was low, so it was just a double double whammy of bad, and uh, endowed it into uh, another jump, and just yeah, kind of splatted a little bit, <laughs> uh, didn't didn't roll very good, and uh, yeah, that was it. It was a big old hit.
1: Yeah, and you you told me that you bent bent the existing hardware from a previous broke collarbone um so what do they do they go in there and just replace the hardware completely yeah they took a, they
0: took the old one out um it was a plate that i got when i was uh 14 13 or 14 years old uh, so okay. it had been in there a long time that was the biggest um warrior variable was getting that plate off without stripping the old screws and and you know kind of not knowing um really what they were dealing with you know yeah. they had an idea of what it was and, and they had the right tools to get it out with but at the same time you know it was old and um it all kind of depends on how welded to your bone the, the screws <laughs> and stuff are so that was the biggest but um everything out came out perfectly uh thankfully so um there were no hang-ups there and, and my recovery has been pretty much perfect since then so awesome. um almost three weeks out now and and feeling really good riding my road bike riding my mountain bike and you know kind of back into the swing of, of normal uh if you will so the next step is to, to start riding which i'm going to do here in california on monday
3: awesome hey zach it's hal simpson nice to meet you man how's it going all right buddy hey uh i've got a question for you about uh gps uh you know with the uh, donations and uh, the last two years not you know well you're four last we did okay um this year not so well <laughs> but um you know, and folks attribute that to uh, our focus on Supercross and the way the Supercross market is here and, you know, the outdoor market or the, the uh, uh, GP market is bigger in Europe. Um, you've been on both. You've been in, in both sides of the ocean. Uh, what do you think? Uh, who has it right, them or us? Do we both have it right? And what are, what's it going to take for uh, American riders to, uh, to compete at the level of hurlings? Or is he just alien right now
0: um i think we both have it right you know it's what what makes the money at the end of the day is what we have to do so for us it's supercross and motocross um definitely do i feel like uh you know we could all be a little bit faster if we rode motocross all year yeah probably but at the same time supercross is is huge here in the states and in my opinion it's the pinnacle of the sport um worldwide uh i mean there's something to be said for the GP guys being being really really good right now. I think that that's been spurred a lot by um, sort of the downplaying of of the GPS over the last you know sort of ten years. Um, but I can't really say that they're say one way or the other that um, how to fix the designations issue. My biggest thing would be the date. You know, I think the date kind of hinders us. Um, staying sort of motivated i mean i I was really motivated i got to go and see some old friends in england and kind of hang out and and ride and train secondary but i was really still really prepared but that's not always the case you know this year it was a long five weeks from the end of the season Those guys, you know had been racing all year and um i get it i mean it's it's a tough thing to fit it in and and also to just stay on the grind that long you know And, and those guys are coming off you know, the weekend before a GP, which is race pace, and, and our guys haven't raced for, you know, five, six weeks, which doesn't seem like much, you know, it's like just grinding motors at home, but the whole time that you're just grinding motors at home, you're you're slowly losing that race um, razor edge, if you will, you know, and, and that's, that's the biggest thing to me is um, just the date. I think that that would help us a lot. I don't think that fixes everything, but I think that it makes us, instead of... uh you know, a fifth, to eighth place team, a podium team. Right. But I think that we can we can get on the podium without changing the date. Also, I think that there's you know some things that we can kind of look at and fix and move forward.
3: What about uh, rider selection? You know, if uh, if a if a group of riders were selected, you know, let's say halfway through the outdoor nationals, and they were able to start prepping for it, teams were able to prep bikes, maybe knock some of the logistics down. So right after the last national. Uh, right after Indianapolis, you know, the guys are on a plane for three weeks uh, or two weeks, whatever it is, and they're able to acclimatize, they're able to get their logistics taken care of, their training, you know, knock some laps down in whatever country that it's going to be in. Um, Do you think that would help?
0: I mean, I did that. I think um, it it made a big difference for me. I've spent four weeks in England. Um, I've went kind of Two weeks after the season, and then, or one week after the season, and then I was there for three and a half weeks before, uh, before the race took off. And I think that that helps, but not everybody has a situation to be able to do that. No one wants to ride an entire outdoor series, most likely be the national champion, and go sit in a hotel by themselves in Belgium for a right. month. You know, that's just not realistic. Uh, and I don't really think anyone expects that. I'm sort of a special case because I have connections there, and I can go and do and. And my family can be there, and you know it kind of all works. But
1: definitely, I get
0: you know people not wanting to just go straight to Europe after the season.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hey, let's back up to the off season. Um, sounds like you were you were on it. You were hauling ass at the at the test tracks. You went to the, some of the overseas races and um, were flying, by all accounts. Uh, You know, where were you mentally with coming into Supercross? Like, were you, hey, my goals are to go win races from day one, or were they to, let me step back a little bit, just kind of, you know, see where I'm at. Or or were you, like, you know, did you have a goal of, I'm going to win right off the bat?
0: Um, when I started on the bike, no, but, like, the days before I crashed, with just the level I was on mentally, physically, and just my riding, I was riding better than I've ever ridden in my whole career. Nice. And, um... I felt like I would have been kind of selling myself short to not expect some wins, you know. It went not from, like, hey, guys, do you think I can do some damage and, you know, get in the top five or whatever? And everyone was like, yeah, yeah, I don't think that's an issue. To, like, hey, like, you need to win some races, you yeah. know. And, and then it kind of changed for me mentally also, like, you know, that was a big boost that people – the people around me that have seen a lot of riding and, and a lot of racing could uh you know, class me as that, that sort of rider. So once that shift kinda happened, it took on a, a different a different sort of vision for me, if you will. Sure. So I think definitely before my crash I was looking to win some races and, and kind of be in there every weekend. But um even now coming back I feel like I haven't missed so much. You know, the training's been really good lately and um I think I've only missed like three three days total since my crash, which one of them was surgery and one yeah. of them was flying to get the surgery. So um, that's, you know, I feel like when I get back on the bike, if I can just kind of catch some confidence pretty quick with my arm being good and everything, and uh, I think I can get back to that level pretty quick.
1: So how, how does it make you feel? I'm sure you, you've watched the first three rounds, three different winners, three winners that – really by the quote unquote experts weren't picked to win um the the guys that were the favorites have been kind of all over the place does that eat at you a little bit going man like i really could have capitalized on this or does it For not sure. okay mean, if, if i uh
0: if i didn't if i said no i'd be lying i mean it's hard to watch and and see um it be so open and and know that i could have maybe done some damage or maybe i would have been one of those guys where people were scratching their heads you never know it it It's racing, and that's why we go every weekend, you know, because no one knows what's going to happen.
1: For sure. So it was announced today that uh, your teammate, Jason Anderson, um, suffered an injury um, yesterday is what they're saying. Um, You've got – sounds like Dean's going to take that spot, Dean Wilson come San Diego. My co-host here tonight, Hal, is the the number one Dean Wilson fan. What are your thoughts on Dean and, and what he's done so far, being six in the points?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure um, as far as what's going on with the fill-in and all that stuff, but yeah, he's he's doing a good job for himself. I mean, um, you know, I think he has pretty good equipment and and stuff, so I'm not super surprised Dean's a national champion, and he's done a lot um, in his career. So for me, it's not a huge surprise. I think it's just Dean kind of needs to be in in the situation that he's really comfortable with, and I think that he's got that right now. So it's not a huge surprise to me.
3: Hey Zach, uh, you mentioned equipment, good equipment, and uh, you know I think you're right. Dean has some pretty good equipment, and with the help probably of of Bobby and some some folks out of your truck. What's the difference? um, Would you say uh, in equipment, Uh, a guy like you, a guy like Dean, of your caliber, if you were to you know put together a motorcycle like Dean's, where are you at in the the capability of that motorcycle versus? you know, the motorcycle that you ride, which there's probably not a whole lot of difference between Dean's bike and yours, but, you know, what What, what if we compare, like, the AJE team? Um, it's just mostly a, a, a stock with bolt-on aftermarket stuff, maybe a little bit of engine tuning, but what is the difference at a, at a guy your level? Is it the team tuning the bike? Is it the bike itself? What is it?
0: That's a tough question, but, like, for it- me, it's the team, like, uh, the the eyeballs and the the guys around the track that, you know, can see stuff that I can feel. And I, the, the, the hardest thing is finding guys who you can relay information to and they can really understand what you're saying. Or, you know, you come back and you're like, hey, I think we should go... You know, two clicks here, two clicks there, and they're like, "Well, maybe, or you can do these two clicks, and that's going to do something else plus this." You know, so I think for me, the biggest thing is the team around you. You have to have guys that are smart, and when you when you're on a factory team, those people are there and they're in place for a reason, and you just kind of have to trust them. I think that that's the, the biggest difference to a factory team to like a, a satellite team or a privateer effort is just a uh,
3: people you have around you cool man hey i got i got a non-moto related i guess sort of non-moto related yeah um i've got a few friends in the industry uh mike gossler and i have become pretty good friends and we're, we're we both geek out over guns I've, I've made a living a career carrying guns and and uh mike is a big gun guy and uh we geek out together on text message over guns what 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 do you geek out are you a, a moto geek or what do you geek out over when I'm a
0: bicycle bi- geek. Um, bicycle I love bicycles. Um, it's just something I've always kind of been super passionate about since I discovered it uh, a long time ago. So that's that's one of my favorite things. And I also have this strange um, side obsession with biathlon. I don't know if you know what that is.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, being I Being
0: you're a gun guy, you probably yeah. do know. Yeah, I know. But I, 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 no, I no. love biathlon, and I really uh, am super keen. I've been I've been debating for like two years now whether I wanted to get a gun and uh, do some running and shooting or, or what I wanted to do. But, like, now I'm finally to the point where after this biathlon season, I'm going to try to, like, you know, uh, sneak around and find uh, a cheap one, a cheap on shits biathlon rifle, and, and uh, pull the trigger.
3: brother. There's... No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> brother, there, there's nothing cheap about Ann Schultz. <laughs> but... No, nothing
0: at all. But it's it's kind of, you know, you get what you pay for that – you know, specialty marksman stuff is is high. Period.
3: Yeah, they're they're like the KTM Husqvarna of, of <laughs> rifles.
0: <laughs> you don't have any in, inside deals, do you? Yes, sir.
1: I do. As a matter of fact, Uh-oh. I do. <laughs> oh.
0: Well, I might have to get your contact.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll hook you up with how he he's a great guy, and yeah, he'll he's a former uh, Marine, and well, I guess you're always a, once a Marine, always a Marine, but right. yeah, special for sure. for, special forces. Great dude, man. So you'll probably get a chance to meet him um, at at Houston Supercross for sure. That's where he lives. Um, Probably Dallas too. Hopefully you'll be back by Dallas.
0: Yeah, I I hope to be back um, not this week in Oakland or San Diego, but Minneapolis. That's my goal at this
1: point. Awesome. A couple more things before we let you go. Um, You were talking about, you know, having all the different people on a team that are smart and can see these things. Do you enjoy testing, going out and, and saying, okay, we're going to spend three hours testing suspension or two hours, uh, you know, with axle, different axles? Do you enjoy that kind of stuff?
0: Yes, I do. Um, but what I enjoy more is, like, um, kind of helping the younger guys on the team. I try my best, anyways, to kind of help them understand because I know, you know, how easy it is to get lost down a wormhole, like, with three hours of testing axles or, you know, an entire day of testing suspension when you end back at the same place you started. Like, that that can be super grueling and frustrating for a younger guy that doesn't, you know. You know, for me, I know exactly what I want. I want my bike to be really good, never perfect, always adjustable. Like, that's kind of my, my goal with the bike. And I was really fortunate that this year... As soon as I got on the 450, it was kind of right there. So we didn't really change so much during the off-season, even with it being a completely new bike for me. So to answer your question, I do enjoy it. But at the same time, once I find what I like, uh, I, I'm going you know, to stick with it and kind of get used to it. And mm-hmm. it, it'll come around. You know? you're, n- you're never going to have the perfect setting for every track that you go to. And right. the track's going to change every day. And I think that that's one thing. One easy way to get lost is, is chasing perfect each day. You'll get down the you know, down a wormhole sure. miles long and, and never get back and forget where your base was and then you end up back at your base and you're like, Wow, you know, this is really good. Why do we ever right. change it? Right, right. It's just it's very easy when you have all those parts at your disposal. You feel like sometimes not pressure, but you feel like um that it's all there so you need to try it all, but that's not really the case. If you come across something that that's good that you enjoy riding and, and you can get along with, and there's not really any reason to continue on, you know.
3: Absolutely. Hey, Zach, you mentioned something a second ago about, uh, you know, testing and bas- basically finding your your, your zero uh, in, the, in the gun world. We call it a zero, but your baseline, w- where you're comfortable, where everything works. Um, when, you're, when you get injured uh, and you lose range of motion or you lose strength or you lose stability in a part of your body, how does that affect your baseline setup? Do you go back and start changing things? Or, you know, when we're when I was 17 years old, jumping out of airplanes, landing a little hard didn't mean anything. I'm 52 now. I would snap myself in half the old if, if I landed like I used to. So yeah. um, does that change anything for you?
0: No. Like, the thing is about coming back from injury is, you know, you want to be kind of as close to – really good as you can, you know, that's the whole thing with rehab and, and having the right people around you. Like uh, I have Dr. G who's, um, completely a hundred percent in, um, with my, my rehab and also Dr. Edwards who helps me with, with rehab as well. Like it's a, it's a huge deal to just come back when you're a hundred percent. So the whole thing is, you know, if the bike was good when we stopped, then it should be good now when we start again If it's not, then there's something that, you know, you need to work on as far as either strength or um, mobility or, you know, whatever the case is.
3: Yeah, good to go. Hey, one more question. You also mentioned something about working with young kids. And uh, I made a career out of working with kids and and leading young men. And um, uh, my son, you know, I raised a son, and he's uh, 23 now. He's in the Marine Corps. And um, what do you see different? um about young kids now. I I see a difference. I see a big yeah. difference.
1: I consider Zach a young kid, so you're asking like, but go ahead. But he's a leader. He's a yeah, leader I, mean, I know. I know what you're saying. It's just I'm like man. No, I
0: definitely feel like I'm a from a different era than than kids now. I'm, yeah. Um it's just a different time, especially in our sport where um, you know, kids get deals really, really young. I had a deal really, really young also, but it was very different to what these kids now are getting. Um it's just a almost an, not an entitlement issue, but you know they they feel like that they are um, ready to go, and typically they're not. To be honest, it's it's a tough thing to make the transition from uh, being an amateur to being a professional. Like it isn't anything, but I feel like in our sport it's made a little bit harder because there's not really a, a great um, feeder system, if you will. Like mm-hmm. a like a I like I really really like that they do the the EMX. 125 and 250 in Europe because it gives the guys, not only gives the guys, but gives also the teams a look at what it's what it's really going to be like, you know, as far as tracks go and um, and bikes go and, and all that stuff. I mean, it's it's a huge advantage for those kids um, who are racing EMX to to have a, a platform to kind of launch themselves from. And I think that the futures thing is in the right direction, but. At the same time, I almost feel like that those the futures kids should be racing on Saturday night, you know, at mm. some intermission or, or or when there's no KJSC or whatever the case is. I think that that's a better plan than having them race on Sunday. That on something that's you know really dumbed down compared to what they're trying to you know future into, if you will.
3: Well, at some point they're going to have to earn it, right? Yeah. And life is right. life. Whether it be on a motocross track or you know carrying a rucksack on your back, at some point. You know you're gonna meet the bad guy in the in the alley, and you're gonna to have to stand toe to toe. And at some point, you have to earn it. So why not start? You know, as soon as possible. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah, I agree with that 100. All All
1: right. So uh, two quick, two more things, um, and then I'll let you get out of here. Your um, your personality, man. You're a very friendly guy. You're very likable. You you treat everybody, from what I've seen, with respect. Um, you know, you're you're. Well, you're well, big, you're followed on social media. People really like you. Um, is that a conscious thing? All right, we're back, uh, with Zach. We lost him, but um, I was asking you just is it a conscious decision to be like super friendly and always seem like you're always personable and and on social media posting a lot of stuff, or is that just who you are? You were just raised that well.
0: Um, that's who I am. Um, I, I feel. I'm bad at social media, by the way. Like, I struggle with it. It's just not my cup of tea. You know, I'm—I I'm, would rather meet someone or sit down and talk to someone than than like their picture or whatever. Like, it's just not that's just not my style. Um, but also, I have kids, you know, and I see my kids meet their heroes and how much it means to them. And you know, if I can make that impact on on someone or someone's child or you know in anyone's life, really. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's, you know, that's kind of my duty as, as a person and also as a Christian. Like, I feel like, um, yeah, wh- why not? I mean, there's no reason to be rude or, or not have time. We're paid um, very well to do yeah. a job and, and represent the people that we have behind us. And I think that that goes, um, you know, overlooked a little bit from, from the higher up sometimes. But, sometimes. But, uh, you know, I feel like, at the same time it's it's my duty and I uh, I enjoy people. I enjoy stories. Uh, you know, now I have my own podcast. Um
1: Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that with, next. Yeah, uh
0: and, and and that's actually because I would rather sit down and talk to someone about their career, their experiences or, or their life and learn from them than, you know, do you know, a vlog or something like right. that where it's just me doing me, you know. Okay. I wanna talk to people, I wanna know about things and stuff. So, you know, I, th- I think that's a really cool outlet for me. Um, but yeah, back to your question. Um, yeah, I think that's just, that's just who I am.
3: Cool. Hey Zach, uh, you, you said something there that really kind of piqued my interest. Um, I, I think you can see, you can see a good person. You, you can see how a person is raised, um, in, in a few seconds of interacting with them or watching them interact. And what I've seen of you at the races and, and, um, uh, just the way I watch you interact, you can tell you're you're you were raised right, in in my view, right. And um, what would you, your kids? You know, you're a dad. Um, how do you, how are you going to raise your kids in in that philosophy and in that, you know, to raise kids that are like you and like Dean and folks that are just uh, good, solid people and not, you know, a prima donna. Uh,
0: it's a tough thing. I mean, especially today. You know, we live in a world that's instant gratification for everything you know there's an ipad for this or a a cell phone for that it and it's it's tough it's a tough thing it's a tough time that we live in especially for raising kids you know it's it's hard for an adult let alone for a child to understand so for us we just try to kind of stick to our normal christian values and and teach our kids the way we were taught you know we're we're both my wife and i are both strong strong strong-ish disciplinarians you know and i think that that's instilled in you from a very young age, whether you're entitled or not, and um, that's that's the biggest thing to me, is just entitlement from from the time that you're a kid, you know, you're either handed everything or you yeah. work for it, and, and that's the biggest difference.
1: Well, good for you, definitely. Good, good for you. Yeah, and I, I was going to say, like, yeah, I really appreciate that about you, like I said, I, I've seen it at some of the rounds that I've been at, and uh, just the way you talk to me, even though you really don't know me, you're always very willing to talk, and um, there's one writer in particular that I've had some, so a tough time talking to, even on media day when that's what they're there for, and you yeah. can tell this particular person just does not want to talk. And, and you know, I mean, I get it, but it's kind of a bummer. But like the fans, there would be no Supercross racing. You guys would not have a job if the fans didn't give a shit and didn't come to the races. So hundred percent, fact-
0: that's exactly right, and yeah. and I I'm well aware of that you know I. I'm under no false impression yeah. that we are are owed anything from anyone. You know, we we have the privilege to live in a place where we we are allowed to do this to start with, and then, you know, we're paid very well to do it. So we might yeah. as well be happy. You know, well, we'll and, and there's we, a, we should be happy. There's
3: a, there's a there's an old saying: don't step on the hands that'll catch you on the way down.
0: <laughs> exactly right. right. So the asses you kick on the way up are the ones you kiss on the way down. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: right. Well, I appreciate that about <laughs> that's you.
0: A classic from my dad.
1: Oh, nice. <laughs> I appreciate that about you. I was going to ask you about your podcast, but you kind of told us why you want to do it, why you're doing it. Um, it's called Shifting Gears. It's on the Pulp and Mix Network. When will episode one uh, be r- available? Do you know?
0: Uh, I actually recorded episode one over the weekend with uh, Ryan Dungy. So, um, I believe we're going to drop it sometime this week. Obviously, okay. there's been some big news, and you know, I want to kind of let that cool off a yeah. little bit. But um, Dungy and I got a, a good 30 minutes in. We were going to go longer, but I had a, a ladder obligation, and he had a prior obligation. So we got cut to sh- cut short to 30 minutes, but if people like it, then we can revisit it, yeah. um, you know, some other time. And, uh, yeah, we got a couple, or I have a couple cool guests signed up for the next couple weeks, cool. and um looking forward to it. I think it'll be good. I, I'm nervous about it because I'm not sure that I can, you know, carry it on my own.
1: No, I think um, you'll be fine. I'm not. <laughs> but,
0: uh, yeah, hopefully it goes well.
1: Well, good. I'm glad you got Ryan Dungey because he won't do our show. I've tried a bunch of times, so good for you.
4: Really? <laughs> he's I had just, an end, so it's, yeah, it's
1: yeah. All good. yeah. He's busy and he doesn't really know me very well. I've hit him up a few times, but it, we'll get him eventually. But man, I'm proud of you. Cannot wait to see you back. Um, Dallas will be the next round. I'm at. Look forward to seeing you out there. And um, man, hopefully we'll hopefully we'll witness in Dallas. You get a, a win. Yeah, I hope so, man. Thank
0: you so much for having me on. And uh, yeah, anytime.
1: All right, Zach. Thanks so much, buddy. Take care, brother. Bye bye. All right, see you. Zach Osborne. Um, as I always say, just one of the one of the good dudes, man. Great personality, great guy. Um, so yeah, before we go to our commercial break, don't forget about the giveaways. I'll be I'll be announcing them, show, posting stuff on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Follow us. Go to our YouTube channel. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. I've been putting up a bunch of video vlogs you know when i'm at the races tj's trying to do some stuff when he's at the at races or at supercross futures uh means a lot to us help us out and um so so you're trying to figure out how i want to do well i've already announced how we're doing the power band giveaway so you got to post a picture of your kt or whatever bike you have with wp suspension post that on instagram tag at moto x pod show tag at power band racing follow at power band racing and hashtag save my suspension, I think is what I said, or something along those lines. You save my what? What do you say? I don't know what you're, you're shaking your head. Speak up. Just say it. There's a
3: tag and a hashtag.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. So, Hal doesn't understand tagging and hashtagging. And I'm just learning about hashtagging. We'll talk about that off air. But anyway, um, hit me up at motoxpodshow.com. Contact form. It, it'll come to my phone, email. If you have any questions, I'll get you set. But we want to give some prizes away to our listeners. So, get involved. We're going to commercial. We'll be back.
5: Since 1998, Fly Racing has been focused on developing the best gear possible. With research and development, they have become a leader in safety and comfort.
1: Fly Racing is worn by many of the top athletes in motocross and supercross, including Weston Pike, Blake Baggett, Zach Osborne, Andrew Short, Damon Bradshaw, and Adam and Tyler Antonap. 7-2 Trey, I wear Fly You wear Fly too. The 2019 Fly Racing line includes the popular Light Hydrogen, the new Evolution DST line, the all-new women's light line, a redesigned F2 helmet, the FR5 boot, and Zone and Zone Pro goggles.
5: Fly Racing also has hard parts for mountain bike products and snow gear. Go to FlyRacing.com or check out your local dealer for more info.
6: Hey Kylie, does your husband have to deal with leaking shafts? No way, Kathy. He uses Shock Socks, the original and number one 10 second removable fork seal protector looks like the best way to keep grit and grime out of your fork seals so if you don't want the headache and expense of constantly replacing fork seals get shock socks go to shocksocks.com and visit them on facebook to pick your color and don't forget they are available for street bikes too
1: dark side here are you guys in the market for a set of new custom graphics? Are you tired of the same old basic layouts the big box companies offer? Well if so, then you need to check out MX Girl Designs. From custom graphic kits, stickers, reproductions and even vintage, MX Girl does it all. Call or text Shar at 936-828-1472 or email Shar, C H A R, at mxgirl.com and that's mxgirl G U R L and tell her Moto XPod sent you. Mad Jack Synthetics is an independent dealer of Amsoil synthetic oils. Amsoil has been around for 45 years and was the first company to bring synthetics to the general public in 1972. Since then, Amsoil has led the way in application-specific oils and fluids designed solely for your cars, trucks, motorcycles, boats, and more. We understand what your needs are when it comes to protecting your investments, whether it be your motorcycles or the vehicle you use to transport your motorcycles.
6: Dane Evans and Mad Jack Synthetics is nationwide with customers and warehouses all across the USA and Canada. By joining the Preferred Customer Program, anybody can buy Anzoil products factory direct at wholesale pricing. Want to stock it at your shop or use it on your fleet of vehicles for your business? Would you like to become an Anzoil dealer and have a tax write-off for your trips to the track or trail and start selling Anzoil to your friends and fellow racers? With AMZOL, you get free shipping on orders over $100, even when you are a wholesale customer. Contact Dane Evans to find out how it all works.
1: We at Mad Jack Synthetics are riders and racers just like the guys at the Moto X Pod Show. We know what you need to keep you in the game week in and week out. AMZOL Incorporated is a sponsor of many of your favorite series. Snowcross, ATV MX, Daytona Bike Week, the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally, GNCC, King of the Hammers, Hot August Night's Car Show, and Motorcycle Mechanics Institute. Contact Dane and tell him the Moto X-Pod show sent you. Let him help you save money on your maintenance using AMSOIL. Contact Dane at 805-531-9551 or toll free at 855-623-5225 or at madjackdiesel.shopamsoil.com Like us and contact us on Facebook at Dane Amsoil Guy. On Twitter, at Dane underscore Evans 393, and on Instagram, at Dane underscore Amsoilguy. What's up, Moto X-Pod listeners? This is Darkside, and as motocross racers, one of our top priorities is safety. That's why AllSport Dynamics wrist braces are one of my favorite products. AllSport Dynamics sees themselves as the Picasso of safety braces. Their passion for design and developing beautiful braces never stops. They've had the privilege to work with some of the largest names in the sports industry and have established a reputation for always bringing innovation to the table with every brace. For the pro chasing the championship or the six-year-old whose mom wants to avoid a broken bone, please try all sport dynamic wrist braces. Go to motocrosswristbrace.com or check out Instagram at wristbraceguy or call 936-569-1003 and ask for Jeff Brewer or Gary White. And keep in mind, these are the wrist braces that Justin Bogle, Joey Cevacci, Weston Pike, Adam Cianciarello, Matt Gurky, and Brock Tickleware in their pro careers. Check them out, all sports, dynamic braces. All right, we are back from commercial break. And our next guest of the night, man, is an honor to talk to. Some big news going on with him right now, I believe. Um, and he's brought to you by Shock Sox. Shock Sox is the original and number one 10-second removable fork seal protector. No one likes replacing leaky fork seals, so ask your local dealer to go to Burn Motorsports, or ask your mo- your dealer or go to burrmotorsports.com. Follow them on Instagram and Facebook. On the phone, Mr. Dean Wilson. What's up, Dino? Oh, not
7: too much. Just driving back from the gym. What are you guys doing?
1: Uh, we just got off the phone with uh, a guy that I hear may be your teammate real soon, Zach Osborne.
7: Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm not actually, that's not, confirmed okay Uh, well yeah i I, I don't know yet okay
1: well we won't talk about that anymore then we're just hearing the rumors of the uh the vital mx and all that kind of stuff so you know and maybe it's wishful thinking but we're hoping that happens but um man so three rounds in sixth place in points technically a privateer with a little support from rockstar and husky uh how do you feel about that
7: um. Yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, it's the best start of the fourth edition season I've had. Um, I feel like I had one went really well. I feel like I let that one go a little bit, but you know, it's not you know, nonetheless, like a really good ride. Um, and then Glendale, um, I kind of just struggled all day, so I felt like coming away with an eight was pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then this past weekend, um, I felt like. A fifth is pretty much where I should be and, and what I should have got. Uh, I was riding really well. I just kind of, you know, my starts weren't great. The first start, I, I was third last in the first corner. I got up to ninth, And then the second start was a lot better. And I got seven. I was, like, almost in sixth, but I ended up seventh. And then the third start, I thought I had the whole shot. And then, um, yeah, I just, I dropped, pushed out a little bit and ended up getting Kevin, which should have been a fifth, but I right.
4: say
7: the head off the handlebars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that kind of reminds me. Other than that, fifth overall, I'm stoked with that. Yeah, uh, just want to keep that going. But the class is so gnarly. they like
1: to sure. get start. You, yeah. You be yeah, I mean, it's been three different three different winners and three guys that really weren't expected to win necessarily. Pretty exciting season so far. Um, you know, it's amazing seeing you do so well. Um, what do you think about the Triple Crown format?
7: I, I was saying before, like, it's a lot, it's a lot of racing um, for only one race um, point. Sure. You know, like, it's, you're really, like, kind of busting your balls for three races, and, you know, it, it can either work in your favor or against you. So I, I would think that this can work in my favor. Um, and I got top five, but, you know, I, I don't know, I just feel like if we got points, full points each race, it would almost be a bit more better. Yeah. You know, the Olympic scoring system, like, like, dude, 3 minute events in one night, like, it's pretty gnarly, you know, it's, that's not easy. No, la-
1: very intense. Twelve
7: minutes plus a lap is approximately 13, 14 laps, so it's quite a lot of racing, you know.
3: So. Yeah, for sure. And those aren't pace laps, those are sprint laps. You're <laughs> you're you're putting a hammer down.
7: Oh, you're you're full max heart rate, so Yeah. Um, hey. but I don't know. I, I, I was never a big fan of them, but I'm trying to just change my mindset and enjoy them, so and um, that's what I'm gonna do.
3: Cool. Hey you mentioned your starts. Uh, your starts are fantastic this year compared to last year. Um Yeah what...
7: Start the A one was obviously really good two whole shot. Glendale, I was completely sleeping on the start, like if I watched the back and I was like this late and then uh you know, at um, the triple crown they the check the, um second main and third main were pretty good for where I was but um, you know, when you, you gotta you know, when you think of I one I qualified really good and when you qualify good you're gonna pick a really good gate, you know, yeah. where what a lot of people don't really see from the stands is how rotty choppy and it's coming out of that start. Like, you know, you're, it's pretty gnarly. So you really have to, uh, you know, make sure, you know, you, you get a good gate.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so you know, again, I mentioned, you know, you're technically a privateer. You've got your dad driving the van. Um, Paul Parabinos has been helping out here and there. Um, you know, What's that like, having your dad so involved again and helpful? Uh, I mean, he's a big part of your program when you were younger, obviously. Um, he's he's a delight to talk to. He loves the donuts. Um, so, yeah, how's that How's that been for these first three rounds, having your family there like that?
7: Oh, yeah, it's actually been really good. Um, you know, my dad's been a massive help to me, just takes the best stress off me. You know, like when I'm at the practice track and then I, you know, I come back and he will – Wash my bike for me and do my bike work. So it's more or less my practice mechanic. And then uh, on the weekends, Paul, P steps in, and so we kind of have a good little system. Um, <laughs> it's all just for the love of it, you know. Yeah. It's like everyone, it, it, everyone's a volunteer, pretty much. Uh, it's pretty funny, but really, like the crew is just me, and my dad, Sam, who's a massive help, who's helped me ever since I was like on 85 pretty much and um Paul P so I've got a good little crew um the Rockstar Husky have been a huge help with taking my race bike back after the racing um since that got injured they really stepped up their support a little bit and they prepped my race bike um in between yeah races. Uh, so that's been a really big help and I mean those guys over there have been awesome with helping me You know, obviously it would have been ideal to be on the team you know but I'm just you know doing the best I can with what I got and um, I'm having a lot of fun doing it so you know I'm enjoying it and I think that's half the battle you know I've been through too much um, just too, I've been through too much shit in my career to not enjoy this anymore like I want to enjoy it and not be measurable like it's just I think you know it's it's put uh, in the hard work and so why not and you know Enjoy being at the races and how hard, yeah. and I feel like that, the difference is having that mindset of, like, you know, I put in all that work during the week and in the off season. Like, you should be there, like, smiling and enjoying it. That's a, it's, it's a, you know, not everybody can, can race on a Saturday in a Supercross, <laughs> and it's just about put in perspective. I, I sure. want to enjoy it because I've had a lot of measurable, measurable times, so I, I want to enjoy it.
1: Well, and for what I saw, the first two rounds that I was at, like that's what I saw. The vibe you put off was you're having fun. Um, You you got a lot of fans coming up and talking to you. Uh, You know your crowd was probably most of the time bigger than than the factory Husky truck. Actually, you know you had a lot of people. You're personable. Andy's talking to people. Your mom's talking to people. Sam's talking to people. Um, The vibe at your truck was fun, man. It was a yeah. I I enjoyed being there.
7: Yeah. No. It's been good being good and you know like how things are going so just gonna kind of keep it going
3: and and that's all i can do yeah hey dean you you touched on a couple of things there that <clears throat> kind of struck a chord with me um you know you talked about you know going through misery being miserable and you know the world that i come from you we train we live in misery and you just we have a term called embrace the suck and you just have to like you said, have a good outlook, have a good uh, mental outlook and a good – you have to have fun not being, you know, in a a nice, comfortable environment. And from a fan perspective and a guy that, you know, helped, uh, you know, Chad in the pits last year a little bit, seeing a guy that's having fun, and from my world, seeing a guy that's enjoying himself and having a fun, you can see the difference in performance. Um, it just yeah. seems like that's a, a big – Part of the mental game. Uh, would you agree with that? And do you feel like that's uh, kind of the position you're in right now? Is you have yourself to answer to?
7: Right. I just think um, everyone's different. Everyone approaches things different. And when I say like I want to have fun, I don't like you know. I what 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 I mean by having fun is enjoying the what you're doing in the process of doing it, not like going out and partying or anything like that, like, I'm talking, have fun at what you do, like, this, it's a pleasure to get, you know, to to race dirt bikes and go to the gym, like, you know, I'm sitting in my driveway right now, and this is the first time I've been home, it's six o'clock, I was up early this morning before breakfast training, and then I ate breakfast, went to the track, um, and then went dropped my bike off, went to the gym, and now that's me just back, but... Like, I enjoy, I'm enjoying this. And it's not, it doesn't feel like a job because, you know, I'm working hard, but I want to, you know, like you said, you got to embrace the stuff. Like, you got to, you know, you're, I suffer every day when I'm writing. You know, your heart rate maxed down and so does so many other people. But I want to, you know, train my mind to where I enjoy the suffer. You know, like, I think that's something that, will help me and i think as helping me is you know being in that comfort zone of being well being in the comfort zone of being uncomfortable if that makes sense
3: yeah it does definitely and that's uh that perseverance um you know you, you've been through a lot you know you're you, and you've been on that motorcycle for a long time you've had a career sure. a true career you know uh, and you're coming up uh I don't I don't have the calculator out here. I, c- I can do some quick marine math, but <laughs> I'm sure you're pretty close to uh, 20 years of riding the motorcycle, if not longer. And, you yeah. know, most people look at a career as a, you know, a 20 years, a benchmark. So y- you've had a lot of setbacks. You've had a lot of injuries. Not a lot. I mean, everybody else has too in this career field, right? But um, the perseverance factor, do you believe – that you have a different outlook on perseverance. You, you detailed just a minute ago what I think is could be called you know professionalism. When you face adversity and you face a hardship and you face transition uh, or a or, uh, 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 heartache, you persevere through that and you see the mission, you see what you need to do, you see the path that you have to go, and you're not going to let fear or doubt stand in your way. Do you believe that perseverance... Is uh, a good a quality that is commonly found in people your age uh, and in people in your career, or do you believe that perseverance? You're number six in the points of a factory world. Do you? I believe your perseverance has has gotten you to that point. Do you believe the same thing, or am I seeing it wrong? No, I I, I
4: agree. I think um, it's
7: just been. I've been through a lot of stuff, which I think has made me, you know, stronger as a person. And uh, so I think, you know, perseverance is just, I think that's what's gotten me to where I am. And I just, I still believe that I'm good on a bike, you know, and I can make, you know, with good and good results, I can make a pretty good living at it. (laughs) So why not, you know, try and kick ass at what I do for another three or four years or however long it's going to be. Because it's not going to last forever. And, you know, I may have to work a normal job. And I'm sure that's not going to be as fun as riding a dirt bike. So, I don't know. <laughs> it's <I'm>, not. <laughs> you know, it's putting putting in the, in the perspective of, you know, uh, I feel like I'm still good enough and my heart's still in it. So, why not keep going? And yeah. um, I, I think it's, I feel like I can put an example out there for people, like, you know, to not give up and just to keep going, you know, like, there's always kind of a light at the tunnel, and I don't know, I'm, we're only three rounds deep, but I just feel like, um, just never give up at anything in life, and, and no matter what, something will happen, because it's just, uh, the world works in mysterious ways, that's yeah. definitely the thing I've learned, that well, doors open when you just do the right things, and that's what I've been doing, so, yeah, just yeah. gonna keep
1: Doing you're, you're proof of that the last couple of years. I mean, you know, yeah, you're you're a great personality. Just like we just had Zach on, and uh, he, same thing, man. Great person, great human being, treats the fans well, very professional, very talented. Um, and yeah, just don't quit, man. I mean, Zach didn't quit when he had to go to the GPs for a few years and came back and he's kicking ass. And, you know, you've been taken off of factory rides a couple of times and come back in as a privateer, and. The doors open back up because of your talent and if, and your personality. I mean, you know, these guys want you on your, their teams because of the way you present yourself and your willingness to fight through. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah,
7: well, i don't I know. Like, I love what I do. Good. And, uh, yeah, that's
1: it. So I don't want to keep you too long. You said you're in your driveway. I know you want to go inside and, and, and probably chill out. A um, couple more questions. Um, during the off season, you've talked a couple times about, you know, how you had to deal with all the logistics of being a privateer, getting all the things together by yourself and how much basically leading up to a one, you had no break. Really. You were just busy the whole time. Was there ever a moment where you're like, Oh my God, I I would like to just give up for a minute. Um, well, not really. I, I don't know.
7: I just, I, there I felt like a more like a few years ago
4: mm-hmm.
7: when I was on KTM and I blew my knee up. Uh, so I did two Supercross races, and then I blew my knee up. And I just felt like I let everyone down, and I was super depressed over it. And then I came back and worked really hard. Same thing again. Second Supercross, again, blew my knee up. It yeah. was like a first It was like the same date. It was freaking weird. So it was just like... That, those were some times where I felt like quitting because I'm on the best factory team with, you know, I'm on a big factory team with like Ryan Dungy as a teammate and, you know, I, I'm expecting to put in all these results and here I am, knees are buckled and it was gnarly. So I don't feel like, I don't feel as down. I didn't feel as down last year as I did then because I feel like, fought through those demons that I had, and, you know, I almost, I knew exactly they had to rehab and come back from it. So, but being laid up this past summer with two blown knees, like, literally, <laughs> I've actually got quite a funny story. I probably shouldn't tell it on the radio, but because <laughs> I was on painkillers because of my, you know, I got ACL reconstruction, and then the next week I got my other uh, ACL reconstruction, and I was on the painkillers. I couldn't go to the toilet, so I got laxatives, and I, it, they weren't working, so like I drank a tea, and I'm on two, I got two knee splints on, lay on my bed, and dude, these bad boys kicked in, nice. and I had to get to the toilet, and I'd never put weight on my legs before, and I'm telling you, I was, it was gnarly.
3: Nice. <laughs> nice. nice. Oh, wow. That's, uh,
7: that's uh, awesome. Yeah, so it was, yeah, I, I just had to throw that story out there, because yeah, that was, that, that, being laid out with two you know, braces
1: on your leg is gnarly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can only imagine, man. the, the you, mad shitter.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. shit well, uh, hey. wow, though. Hey hey man, uh, enough of the sappy shit. Um <laughs> I've got a got a question for you about your uh your bikes. Um now we, we, we have to give a good uh a good high five to uh, fellow Houstonian Daniel. Um mohead mohead uh, working your bikes last year and uh, putting together your bikes this year from what I understand from from the social media side but what th- there's probably not a whole lot of difference between your motorcycle now and say like AJE guys that are riding basically stock huskies with some bolt-on stuff um, what, but do can you tell a difference? say, between the forks. You're running 48-millimeter cone valves now. Same thing I have bolted on my two KTMs at home. Is there a difference between that setup and the 52-millimeter setup? Um, Your whoop speed, what I saw on TV, which we need to find that cameraman that keeps cutting you off (laughs) just about the time you do something spectacular, and he goes to, you know, Tomac that's 74 seconds ahead of everybody. (laughs) So, um, is there a difference between the way your bike, your bike now and what you rode last year?
7: Um, yeah, I mean, I was in the the 48s and they had the 52s and then I, um, you know, I have a factory service engine, um, and then all the other parts, wheels, bolts, triple clamps, bars, uh, seat, uh, everything I had to get, but, um... So yeah, the, the the difference between the forty-eight, model fourteen, and the 52s is, you know, with the the steel frame, it has a bit more flex with the forty-eight, and I think that's good for me in my corners. And then the fifty-two is is a, a little bit more rigid. So I feel like the difference is I, I get a little bit more flex with the forty-eight. Uh, but you know, I like them, and I'm feeling good on them. And uh, you know, so I don't know. I really like my bike. I've worked hard on my bike this year. Um, you know, because it's, uh, you know, to get it set up exactly how I want it. And, yeah, it's it's really good. And, you know, Daniel built it for me. We were originally going to build the bike, but Bobby and Stesby, like, hey, let, let you know, Scuba build. I mean, uh, sorry, Daniel built it. Um, you know, he wanted to help out. And so Bobby and, and uh, Daniel and Scuba and the whole team really have really touched in and helped me a bit And um, so it's, it's been really good.
3: Yeah, good to go. Hey, um one more non moto sort of non moto related question. Um I made a, a good friend in Supercross this year and uh Mike Gossler and he's a he's a big uh a gun geek I and mean, he and I text back and forth about guns and stuff all the time. What do you geek out about uh outside of motocross, outside of your daily job? What's your what's your uh, geek fix? Sarah. Uh um...
7: Let me think here. Man, I don't know.
3: I, I Don't say dancing.
7: <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I pay attention a little bit with the Lakers and stuff, but I don't know. I feel like right now I'm being so focused on, like, I literally just eat, sleep, and breathe more across right now. But, you know, as the season goes on, sometimes you have to step away a little bit because it becomes, like, you know, a bit too much. But, um... Dude, I just Netflix and show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, yeah. I mean,
3: yeah, I pay attention about basketball and, okay. and, um, I don't know, just
7: hang out, really. Right on. Well, man. I... I mean, I like the waist scarf and stuff like that, but just, you know, I don't have the most stable knees these days, so yeah. I don't
1: like to uh, rest anything stupid like that. I understand. Do you, do you I assume you wear knee braces. Uh, what, what brand do you wear? CTI. I want CTI, too. Okay, cool. Um, So, yeah, I got a question here, Um, and you may not want to answer this, but, I mean, you've you've got some really good personal sponsors coming on board, um, Artificial Grass Liquidators, Ignite, which has had, um, you know, there's been a little bit of drama, I guess, with NBC. But um, those sponsors have helped you out a tremendous amount. They're sticking by you. Um, If you were to get offered a factory ride that you wanted to take – how does that work with these sponsors?
7: Um, I don't know.
1: Okay. Um,
7: yeah, I mean, I would have to be, you know, so that would be... It's all yeah, part, of, I don't know.
1: part of the process. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, well, yeah, I've
7: got good people helping me, though. Yeah. DPL um, has been awesome. and You know, those people were there when no one else was. Sure. So it's, it's for me to just let go of something like that. So I don't know how it's, it hasn't
1: worked well i mean look there's two guys that were hired to be factory husqvarna racers and neither one of them is in the top six but a privateer husky rider dean wilson is in the top six so damn straight. Yeah, yeah you may not even need that anyway seems like you're doing just fine you know yep yep i don't
7: know um yeah i think i'll just be on my doing my feel. um but who knows?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Well, that's fair. fair enough. I understand. Um, social media. You you do a lot of really cool stuff on social media. You do a lot of fun videos. The uh, Grandpa Earl. Um, your your videos for the introduction of Supercross. You know, your intro and opening ceremonies is always funny. Um, do you come up with these ideas yourself? Is this as part of your personality? Um, and is it a conscious decision to stay so? You know out there in the media for your fans
7: um yeah well i took a month off of social media just because right sometimes i think social media like is too much and you're on your phone too much and you're not getting stuff done and sometimes there's just too much information out there you know like you know it's funny now that i'm again a little i'm not i'm, I'm only i'm 27 but getting <laughs> a bit old and i'm like man there's just too much out there for yes. young kids to see you know like if you scroll and then scroll and like there's just stuff that they don't need to see on there. Like, like when I was a kid, man, I didn't have a phone or like, I had a shovel on a BMX bike, you know? And like,
1: <laughs> right, right. It
7: was so, de- it's so different now, but anyways, uh, so with social media, uh, you know, I think I'm just kind of more myself on there. Like, I, I like to just show the person that I actually am. And I like to get back and help and, you know, have a good laugh while we're at it. And, um, you know, you, it's also, you know, good exposure for yourself to try and build up yourself as a brand. And, you know, my YouTube channel, I got that going while I was injured this summer because, you know, I was bored. And then we did the Grandpa Arrow thing and then yeah. we did the bike giveaway. And then, um, you know, I, I like to do a few more things and I'll just keep it fun and get back. And, you know, it's what I like to do and it makes me feel good. And I like to help somebody. So, um yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of who I am. And, you know, I, I'm not trying to be like a good atooshis. And I feel like, you know, my videos, is like if you watch the Anaheim one, you know, it, it's pretty raw. Like, it's just real stuff. You know, after the race, I'm like, fuck, you know, I should have had that. And I'm swearing and this and that. And, like, I just like to show that side. Like, it's not all cookie cutter Like, it's just who we are. You know, it's, it's like, that's what I like about the USD is that, like, every, most of the fighters are themselves. You know, they don't have to, you know, like, try and be somebody they're not i like that they're just raw and they speak their mind and you get to know them as a person you know where i feel like in our sport people are so tight left and cookie cutter and yes professional which there's nothing wrong with that but i just find it more interesting when you you know like get to learn more about you know like like a ufc fighter like i like to learn more about the uh person and
3: you get to, know, you know, see, the, uh, the personality. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, Dean, it's from a fan perspective and, you know, my, my son is not much, uh, not much younger than you are. And, you know, I tried to raise him with a good, solid grounding and, and understand, you know, respect and all all of those things that, that come along with what I believe is it makes a good man. And we just talked to Zach and Zach, really, to me and in the interaction that I've had with him at the races and what I've seen of him and the way I hear him speak, uh, he's a good man. You can tell that he was raised in a proper way uh, you know, by a, by a man and a mom that uh, believed in those things. And I see the same in you. Do you see, um, when you have kids, are you going to try to take what your dad and your mom gave to you and give that same back? Um, Are you going to go kind of the way of the world where it's a little more soft and cushy and, you know, the rules are ambiguous and, you know, those things?
7: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I just think when I was growing up, I mean, when my dad, when you heard that tone of voice, oh, <laughs> shit, he hustled up real quick. And yep. I just think having discipline, you know, like I feel like people don't discipline their kids like, they let them away with stuff, and I, I don't think, I think, you know, the way I was brought up, you know, just your manners in general, like, it's nice to see, like, can like, when I see, like, a kid with nice manners, like, I let them know, like, oh, I like your, like, you have really good manners, like, yeah. you know, because it's, you don't see a lot of it these days, and I think just, you know, I was always taught, you know, to hold the door open, or whatever and yeah. you know, like, it's just, uh, there's just, no, I when I have kids, they'll for sure be disciplined. That's well, for
3: sure. Well, I'll tell you just you know, from a my perspective, looking out, you know, having led young men and and you know, raised my own, um, it's very much appreciated to see mm-hmm. a person in your position carry yourself professionally. And, and honestly, you could be dead ass last, and I would still feel the same about you as a fan of yours that I do now. Uh, And it's all because of the way you present yourself uh, and the way, the respect you show um, to me, that means more than anything, because at some point you're going to enter the workforce with me. And (laughs) I, I would appreciate, you know, that same uh, uh, type of professionalism, you know, out of other people. And uh, I really appreciate that uh, from you and from uh, Zach as well. So kudos to you and and good job on your parents. Uh, Good on them for, for transitioning those good beliefs uh, into you. Yeah,
7: thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I'm I, I, I sure, I sure uh, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll give you one story that I'll always remember. Is my I was about, you know, in Scotland, I was being a bit cheeky, and my friend would let me play, play with his remote control car. So I picked it up and smashed it and oh. stomped on it in a million pieces. And I tell you what, I still, to this day, I must have been seven years old, and to this day, I won't forget that day. <laughs> I, just, you know, I think my ass is still red from that
1: <laughs> <one>. <laughs> Yeah, you deserved it. <laughs> hey, so. hey, so last question, and we'll let you go. And you may not want to answer this but you uh, or talk about it, but you had a little run-in with Barca last weekend. Um, Who? <laughs> another racer that how does not like to uh, acknowledge. But you had a little run-in. Um, you know, I don't know if you want to tell us what went down, but, you know, how you feel about those con- of confrontations. Um, sounds like you didn't really respond back um, aggressively in the in the tunnel. But um, so you probably handled it professionally. Is that tif- difficult to do in those situations? Uh, no, I was fine. like, we're just
7: racing, and his passes on me were fine. Like, he, he didn't, like... Me out or doing something like that, but dude, we almost connected like two or three times in the air for fourth place in a heat race. I'm just thinking, like, are we battling for like the main event or or what? Like, or if I mean event when? Like, it was just like through this, he didn't shut off. Like, I heard it, I don't think it's like shut off for a full lap behind me, so (laughs) um, I just like, I don't know, I was just he, he. flipped me off after the race so I just told them that yeah I'm not that that shit ain't gonna fly and uh yeah other than that just that was it but hey it's uh you know it keeps it exciting you know it's, it's, it's quite funny like I, I read some stuff that like um people were tweeting and saying and it, it was like it, I felt like I was in high school the exactly Yeah. like oh you said this you said that I'm like oh my god like you just got to so far off. But, whatever, I, I just didn't
1: respond because it wasn't that big of a deal. Sure. Hey, you, you're, you're yeah. being professional. Like, Hal and I were talking about this before the show started. You know, we came from a different era, and he's like, man, I don't think I could have held back cleaning the dude out, you know, just taking care of business, even if it was after the race. But, you know, professionally, I think you did what was right.
3: For sure.
7: Yeah. No, for sure. You have to because, you know, gene team John Gallagher says, hey, you guys ever – touch
1: each
7: other then you're, you'll be disqualified so yeah you, have to, you can't do any of that stuff so
1: right on well hey dean you can't oh. let people walk over you
7: and and, and flip you off and i won't go up with it that's for sure
1: good all well, right on good good, on you good, for good for you man dean thank you uh it's always a pleasure talking to you appreciate how friendly you are to us thank you for giving us some of your time tonight and uh, look forward to seeing you real soon know uh, way
7: thanks guys have a good night take care brother okay, sure. Dan,
1: talk to you soon bud see ya. Alright, that's Dean Wilson uh, Take another quick break And we'll be back with Jay Kavanaugh With uh, Rack which is Rack Racing Which is um, Random Acts of Kindness Be right back Alright, next guest up is brought to you by MX Girl Designs. If you're looking to make your modern bike pop or freshen up your vintage bike, Charlene at MX Girl Designs can fix you up. Char does fantastic custom work at a great price. So co- contact char at mxgirl.com for info or hit us up, DM us, and we'll get you in contact. Next guest is Jay Cavanaugh with Rack Random Axe Kindness Racing. What's up, Jay?
8: hey what's up guys
1: how you doing doing great man um excited to talk to you um i'll be honest the first time i heard anything about rack was at straight rhythm uh, i saw you guys out there cheering and screaming and yelling at the finish line and and they were kind of talking about it and it sounded really really cool man the concept so kind of give us an idea of what where it started and how it came to be
8: yeah sure so um like everyone you know i think a lot of people that go to the races you know we've all wanted to be that pro guy turn pro have that career and a lot of us it just didn't work out so like with me uh, i had an injury where my left foot doesn't go up so that <laughs> that pretty much uh, is a little bit difficult to overcome so since 2006 i've just been like where is my place in this industry and i've just been fighting and fighting and fighting and tried a whole bunch of things, and then eventually just got to this point where um, it just naturally fell into place. That I was, have, have always been giving people uh, some pointers and how I've done pretty well for myself by mastering my mental process and my mental game, and realized, wow, like maybe this is what I've been searching for in Moto, and started helping some people out uh, on a local level. Um, I did a camp with uh, AJ Catanzaro and uh, Tyler Bowers. And, uh, that sparked it all. And then at the end of that day, I had two, uh, riders come up to me and said, I need you. Like (laughs) the look on their face was just, I I still kind of almost get chills from it. one rider in particular, Brandon Gregoire. He just had that look and I said, wow, like, you know, this is it. And, uh, I just went on from there. And then, uh, really what we did is, um, instead of just having it be the mental game, Uh, I've always been about giving back and I'm like, how do I link the giving back part to this? And I said, you know what, I'm just going to do random acts of kindness with the money that people give me. So each month I have, uh, four riders on the team, or if you want to call the team, you know, the people that I coach and I take, uh, the money they give me monthly and I just go around doing random acts of kindness with it. And it's been awesome. It's been giving me purpose and direction and a lot of happiness. So I couldn't be in a better place in my life right now.
1: Yeah, that's
3: amazing hey man uh I watch uh, your videos uh, on the uh, matter of fact you you followed me um, several weeks ago and um, I, I I forget how we cross paths but uh, I, I was watching your uh, little I don't know what they're called on the Instagram the little videos instabangers stories stories there you <laughs> okay. go Sorry so I, and and the the one that I'm 52 man that you'll you'll have to you'll have to help me He's on an the, old fart. He
1: didn't even know how to tag somebody. He he had to text me the other day, how do you tag somebody?
3: <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. so I was watching your video and you it's the video where you were talking about um you're walking through your house and you were saying, you know, you don't have to have, you know, a large house, you don't have to have and you were you were almost framing the mindset of success. You don't have to have the environment to make success, you create the environment that you'll succeed in. And I was really, uh, it kind of brought me back to, uh, you know, a previous life or a previous part of my life where, you know, mentoring young people and helping young people condition their minds to success, not condition themselves to the level of success that they see around them, that the environment tells them. And it was really refreshing to see you know, someone uh, in your position, uh, in an influential and somewhat leadership position in the industry, you know, speaking that, because, you know, I, I wonder in, in the motocross world and motocross community and in industry, you're there. Uh, and, and comparative to our society, the, the kids of today uh, are a little bit different and, and think different than guys of my generation and guys of yours and Jamie's generation, what do you see in your helping people that is the difference that are keeping kids back from the mental aspect?
8: That is an awesome question. I love it. Um, wow, there's so many awesome things we can cover, but I'll, I'll pick a couple of, of great ones that we can discuss. Um, biggest one is fear. Um, that seems to be the number one thing that holds people back in this sport and in life. Um, it's fear and just uh, the fear of failure more specifically. You know, it's not just a fear, I mean, because you say, Well, fear, well, we all race motorcycles, you know, a lot of us ride or practice, whatever, on our bikes, that, you know, you don't have any fear. Well, it, it's not so much when I say fear, the fear of failure seems to be the biggest thing because, um, a lot of people just haven't embraced it. Like for me, I, I personally have had a, a, a very challenging last four months in my life. I've, I've been hit in the face more times than someone going up against Mike Tyson probably back in the day or even now, he's probably great. But, um, and, and it's like, at first my perspective was nothing can go right, like what's going on, like this isn't fair. And then I was like, I can control my perspective. So what should I do because this isn't working? So I was self-aware and I said, okay, I'm not comfortable with where I'm at. I'm not like this feeling I have. And I made some changes and, and did some things that may not have worked out, but I said to myself, um, no matter what, I need I need to try something different. And if it doesn't work, meaning failure, um, then I'm going to fail fast and I'm going to learn fast and then I'm going to regroup and fire back. And um, a lot of times just people don't have the guts uh, nowadays to, to take chances and go for it. You know, like, I love it. Like, if, if I was single and there was a woman that walks by me, I've trained my mind. This isn't something that's innate, by the way. This is something I've trained myself for. Um, I'll just go up and be like, hey, my name is Jay, and I'm just curious. Like, wh- what are you about? Like, what are you passionate about? Like, what's up? Yeah. And just start talking. And you know what? If it doesn't work out, I'm okay because the win to me is the fact that I didn't blink. I yeah. did not blink. I charged up. I went for it, and I knew that no matter what, the way I qualified the win was taking action, not the outcome. Yeah, you know... and. Uh-
3: go ahead. I'm sorry, man, go ahead.
8: Yeah. And so I will go ahead. I want to hear what your thoughts okay. are. There's a couple other things okay. that we could add to that, but that's, all that's a big one. All
3: right. one of the things that, uh, in, in, again, in my previous life, I spent a, a career in the Marine Corps and, and leading young men and, uh, taking, uh, you know, your 17 year old that you wouldn't trust with your car keys and, uh, <laughs> training him to strap explosives and, um, you know, machine guns to him and, and, be okay and do the right thing in very incredibly challenging and stressful situations. And one of the things that you know we would tell kids is um, success is the unhes- unhesitated response to failure. So you, Ooh, I like that. You, you take that. You take the mission, and you look at that first. If you if you stare at the mission, you can't see the fear.
8: Mm-hmm. I love that. I, I think that's super powerful, and, and it's. It's, it's all of your perspective, right? Like, think about that. Like, does that change the amount of fear someone's going to encounter or the, the potential fear that might be there? It doesn't really change that, but it changes your perspective on it. You know, like, for example, like right now, um, I miscalculated the amount of propane in my propane tank. <laughs> I'm sitting in a house right now with a full blown winter jacket. Like, if you guys are going go skiing in Vermont, yeah. you would use my jacket to go, okay? That's on me right now inside my house doing this podcast with you and I have a beanie on and when it's all said and done um you know what's my perspective um the one way I could look at this is oh geez man you know I'm gonna freeze tonight like this is horrible you know how how do I want to look at this I can look at it that way or I can look at it you know in a way where it's like I'm grateful I even have a house like my house is pretty legit and then I'm selling it and I'm gonna move into what I would consider a third of the house I'm living in, but I can't wait to do it because happiness will be there and, and I'm, I'm loving my minimalistic uh, changes of life, but um, it's all your perspective, right? And so I love with your quote and, and what you said is it's changing your perspective on reality because that really is reality, right? It's your perspective that you have on it. Like with me right now, my perspective is that I'm grateful. So my reality is I'm actually pretty happy right now yeah. with my jacket on my beanie. I'm fine. And, I'm actually having a great
3: day, and you have oh, a yeah.
1: coo- you have you have a cool story too. Yeah, and, well, <laughs> it's, it's it's very inspiring, man, because it's so easy to get negative about things that happen in life, and it's you know poor woe is me, and or you know the the younger generations how I was talking about like you know like everything is owed to them, but you you doing these you know promoting this random acts of kindness that it doesn't seem like today's generation really even considers is just, it's, it's awesome, man. I mean, it's, it's the way people are supposed to be anyway. And, you know, and you do these things and you, you, you put yourself out there in a positive light, positive things come back. Yeah. And when, when you give oh, a kid, when you give a kid a tool yeah. to
3: think through a problem, because life is a problem. Life is a big ass arithmetic problem. You have to figure it out and it's a new test every day. Um if you take if you take yourself in a little boat or a little rubber zodiac and you go out in the ocean until you can't see land anymore and you wait for the sun to go down and now you say swim home you have a very <laughs> limited number of choices. Yeah. And and shit becomes very clear very quickly. <laughs> and if you take that ability to think through that problem, it's a life or death problem. It's yeah. the most important decision you'll ever make, but that process of thinking through it and deciding I'm going to go in this direction and sticking with it. Um, if you can teach young people to think through that, I, I, I think you'll have better racers, better people, better, better blue marble. Right.
8: Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, a lot of it. You, you even just said you use words like making a decision. Like sometimes it's just like making a decision. Like when I wake up in the morning. I make a decision. And, and sometimes that decision is even made the night before where, for example, the other day, um, there were three days in a row where I didn't feel I was optimizing my days. So, um, I did so. So step one was self-awareness. I was like, okay, I'm not happy with the way my last three days went. I'm like, all right, I don't know why yet. I just know that I'm not like cool with it. Okay. So let's think about it. Why? And then I realized that I was not using a lot of the tools that I know work and that I preach and I've just been letting life distract me away from them. So I said, okay, fine. So then what tool do you think you should use? And I said, well, I want to have intention tomorrow when I wake up and I want to manifest that intention throughout the day and I want to go to bed tomorrow. So this is like, you know, like eight o'clock at night or something like that. And I said, I want to go to bed tomorrow and I want to reflect back on my day and be like, I won that day. And so when I woke up in the morning, I took steps. I took action to, um, to, to create the day I wanted because a lot of people go through life and it's passive. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I had a great day. You know, it's like, why? And most people are like, you know, everything, they, the response is things that happened to them that were somewhat passive, right? Sure. With me, I love to look back at my day and be like, Oh, well, my day was this, but like I controlled it because like when I woke up in the morning, I primed myself and I realized I can control my attitude, my effort, and my focus. So I took those three variables and I aligned them in a way that I wanted to so I could ultimately get what I want. And that's what happened. And everyone's like looking at you like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know? That's that's too much work. Yeah, and it's, but it's not, you know what, it's right. work at the beginning. Yeah. But once you get a flow, yeah. it's, you know, it's no different than moto. You know, sure. like once you get to that point where you put in the time and you put it and you have the discipline, um, it, beautiful things happen. You know, I mean, it. it but it takes effort, you know, and it, and it's that, it's that making a conscious decision every day to, to set a goal and attain it. And, you know, that's the key to being confident, right? So people always say to me, they're like, Hey, can you help my kid get more confident? And I'm like, yeah. And like, most of the time they say this, it's like the 10 second board is up and the kid can barely hear me. And it's like the gate's about to drop. I'm like, Hey man, like it's going to take a little bit more than, you know, oh, yeah. got yeah. this. <laughs> yeah,
4: sure. Like, it takes,
8: it takes discipline and work and a lot right. of off track, uh, effort. But, um, the, the point I wanted to make is that confidence is something that you, you get, in my opinion, by taking setting goals every day that you that you can achieve so that each day you look back and be like, I set a goal, I achieved it. I set a goal and I achieved it. So by day 30, 40, 50, 67, whatever it is, you look back and then when all of a sudden I say, hey, how do you think you're going to do in Daytona? Like, let's say you're Justin Brayton, right? Well, how are you going to do in Daytona? Oh, uh, well, geez, like I've set 67 goals in the last 67 days and achieved all of them. Why would Daytona be any different? I'm probably going to hammer down that's when you believe in yourself and that's yeah. when people like Justin Brayden blow people's minds is when you get to that point of belief.
1: Yeah. It, 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 as you're sitting here describing it, I'm thinking that it's like, it reminds me of like working out basically like I don't work out cause I don't want to. And it's so hard to get started, but everybody says, well, if you get into a routine of it, it just becomes second nature, becomes part of it. And all of a sudden it's easy. And it's, a, it's basically what you're talking about is a mental workout that once you do it for a little while, it just becomes part of your nature and it's you're, it's ingrained. But you just have to get through that. You have to have that initiative to do it.
8: Yes, and the initiative, and that's the number one place that people struggle is to get started. Sure. And like if you like if you said, for example, um, if you want to take your example with the um, working out and getting started, if if I were to offer you a recommendation, it would be. I've done this before with people and, and I'm telling you this, that works. You have to break down barriers. So one thing I would tell you is I would say, Hey, tell you what tomorrow. Um, I don't want you to go to the gym and work out for 45 minutes on the treadmill and then 15 minutes wait and then do like a, you know, whatever for another 20 minutes. Yeah. Instead, I want you to wake up tomorrow and I want you to jump jacks for one minute. That's it. Not two, one minute. Then the next day I want you to do them for two, then three, then four, because what trumps your level of effort, like, We're all, like, moto guys, we're all pretty intense, right? Like, if we go in something, it's all in. It's like, if you're going to go into moto, what's the first thing you do? You buy, like, a a toy hauler, and then you buy, like, six PW50s. You hire Pro Circuit to come out and train your kid who's never even started a bike. Like, that's the mentality we all have, and that's awesome, and that's what makes our sport great and the people in it great. However, I would argue that sometimes you have to take a couple steps back and say, I'd rather have someone create the habit first because then you go on autopilot, right? Because then what's going to happen is every morning, if I have you do that one minute, two minute, within 20, you're up to 20 minutes in 20 days. But now forget the 20 minutes. That's not what I wanted. I wanted it to become a habit. Now, when you wake up, you're just like, oh, well, I just go to the gym in the morning. That's just what I do, right? Mm-hmm. That's the sweet spot. And when you can get a habit and there's a habit loop, which is like a trigger, a behavior and a reward. And it's like a simple little loop. It's just those three things in a little circle. And you have to control those three variables to make something become a habit. And that's when things get easy because habitual things are are what we are made of. We're all basically living the same life over and over. I mean, I don't know about you, but I I still have Facebook. And when I look back at Facebook memories, it freaks me out. I get freaked out by Facebook memories because (laughs) I live... The same way, like I start yeah. talking and saying things. That if you've ever done it, 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 it will shock you. Um, I challenge people to look back on them and see, and you'll be like, "Wow, I'm just living the same life over, over, and, over and over each and every day."
1: Sure. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's that's yeah. You're you're 100 right. Um, so before we let you go, um, what are your goals, ambitions, and plans for the future with rack racing? What what like give us for the rest of 2019, and then give us for five years down the road.
8: Sure. So I am writing a book on the mental game for motocross. Uh, I work on it daily. I enjoy it. The process has been great for me. Um, It's given me a lot of uh, clarity and direction in my life, a lot of purpose, so it's been great. And so the book is going to be one thing. Um, My goal is to also have a couple articles written uh, with Racer X or one of the other major media companies just to gain a little bit more um, of uh, an authority status. Yeah. And then um, on top of it, um, one of the big, big things I'm working on is, uh, well, before I say that, uh, I do want to get one pro rider. I have talked to a couple pro riders and I have tried helping a couple people out, but mental coaching is not for everyone. There's a couple guys that I'm kind of keeping on my radar, but I haven't found that like ideal candidate yet, but I have like, one guy in particular I'm kind of keeping an eye out but you can't go to a guy and say hey I want to mental coach you it just doesn't work yeah that guy has to come to you I've tried it and it just doesn't work there's a couple riders that I'd I'd rather not mention that I have went up to myself and um if they're not ready it ain't happening sure yeah yeah um at some point I want that pro guy and then to answer your question five years down the road one of the biggest things I'm working on is a couple people have caught on to what I've been doing um I hijacked an ice cream truck one time on a walk with my neighbor. The woman was uh, driving down and I went in my pocket to give her money to get an ice cream for me and my buddy. I didn't have any money on me. She didn't have any. He didn't have any money on him. We couldn't get ice cream. (laughs) And I asked her, I said, uh, because I'm sitting there and I just, I was like, how do I turn this into a positive? Because that's what I try to do when something bothers me. And I said, um, I said, do a lot of people ask you, for ice cream, but don't have any money. She goes, "Oh, kids do it all the time." I go, "That sucks." I go, "But let's change it." I go, "Would you be cool if I jumped in your truck and you drove me to my house? It's like a third of a quarter, like not maybe a quarter mile down the house, down the road. I'll go in my house. I'll grab whatever cash I got, and I'll just rent out your truck, and we'll just hand out free ice cream." She's like, that sounds sick. And I'm like, let's do it. So
4: <laughs> that's cool, yeah.
8: Um anyways, so so that happened and the reason I'm telling you that story is we handed out ice cream to a bunch of kids, went Facebook Live, people went crazy, and I found that And the amount of time that I was handing out free ice cream, I had just as many people wanting to donate and give me money to keep it going. I would have people that would say, that would text me, be like, don't stop, don't stop. I'm sending you money. I got you covered for a hundred. I got you covered for 20. And it was like, I could have legit gone all day. Wow! Um, So someone caught on to that. One of my friends caught on to it and he said, he said, you realize how powerful this is. It's basically like you're, you've got something that people are are loving. It's like real time donations and and people giving back. And if you can get people to thank the people that donated, um, this would be revolutionary to like charities and nonprofits to help um, respect the donors that they have. And he goes, let's take this global. Don't just make it rack racing, keep doing rack racing. But what about like a, just a straight up rack outside of the racing environment where you just do random acts of kindness and, and do it for either companies or brands, like, and, and just give back, and, and just have people support your mission. And uh, that seems to be what's next uh, when you talk about five years down the road.
1: World needs more of that. Yes, for sure.
8: I agree. I agree.
1: Well, Jay, thank you, man. Um, very inspiring. This whole like our our show tonight. Before you, we had Dean Wilson on, and before that, we had Zach Osborne. All very positive. There's a theme, uh, inspiring a theme guys, in. and yeah, this this whole this show so far has been very positive uh, vibes, and I, I like it, man, and I appreciate what you're doing. Um, tell our listeners what can they do to help get involved um, besides follow you, at, you know, rack racing on Instagram, and uh, what else can is there anything else they can do to get involved with you?
8: Yeah. I mean, definitely at rack racing and keep in mind rack is not spelled R-A-C-K. It's R-A-K, which stands for random acts kindness. So at R-A-K racing, uh, follow me there. I do post for the most part, uh, 95% of the time I post videos every single morning that will help inspire you. So the way to get involved, honestly, is to watch those videos every morning and take action on them and just realize that you control your day and just take action. And, um, you know, be in charge of your life, you know, and, yeah. and just make things happen. And, you know, in, in you know, in one other final piece, you know, if you guys really want to learn, one of my favorite things to do to learn, listen to the press conferences, start listening to what do we got? Oakdale. Uh, Oakdale. Uh, Oakdale's a theater down the street from me. <laughs> we got Oakland this weekend, yeah. right? After Oakland, I promise you, listen to the top three guys and you will hear what the difference is between all of them and, and you will start to become very familiar with who's confident, who's not. And you know, you listen to Ken Roxon. I am because of him overcoming his injury and the way that he speaks, there is so much to learn by listening to Ken Roxon. So listen to Ken Roxon when he's on the podium this week and learn from him. The way he thinks is brilliant. Um I, I promise you he's got a mental coach or at least has mastered the mental game. But there's some other riders that I won't pick on that um <laughs> clearly don't have it together and, right. and, and 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 have room for growth and opportunity. So it's a great way to learn as well as listening to those press conferences. Well
3: you Absolutely. know, one of the one of the people that will be on the podium this weekend will be number fifteen in your program, Dean Wilson. Dean
1: Wilson. <laughs>
8: Uh, Dean's great. You know yeah. what I just, I, what, when you have a personality and you have that draw, like him and Ken Roxton come to mind, I mean, what just great people for the sport and people that you want to help. And, um, I, to be honest with you, it's funny that you mentioned Dean Wilson. He's my number one guy that I want to go to one of the rounds this year and just go around and do random acts of kindness with him on like a Friday before race day and just do random acts of kindness with him. So at some point, um, we're going to have to, uh, make that happen. Cause I think he's the type of guy that has a personality, um, that would draw people in, uh, outside of the industry and could really help build our sport in bigger ways than most of us even can imagine.
1: I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. You got to make that happen. Cause he would definitely be good for that. Um, man. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate your time tonight. And, uh, man, hopefully we'll, we'll see it when the super crosses, um, and we'll get to meet up face to face.
8: Yeah, if you guys are at Minneapolis, that's my gonna be my first round, the East Coast. I'm gonna be helping out trigger racing, uh Tyler Bowers, uh and uh Chaz and uh also maybe help out AJ Catanzaro a little bit, Jerry Robin, our local boy. Yeah. And uh it's gonna be a good time. So uh really appreciate your uh time and the opportunity to chat with you guys and your your fans. I love it.
1: Absolutely, Jay. Thank you, man. You have a good night. Be, and try to stay All warm.
3: Right. See you, buddy. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right. We'll see you. Jake Havanaugh, Rack Racing, R-A-K. Check them out on Instagram. Uh, I, I don't think they're on Twitter. They may be on Facebook. Give them a follow. Um, and he was talking about the videos he does, so I'm going to turn this back to us a little bit. Again, go to our YouTube channel, Moto X Pod Show. Subscribe. And as I, I said a few shows ago, as listeners if you would take some video whether it be gopro footage of your local track or just some video of you and your buddies or your kids hanging out in the pits uh you know throw that together and send it to us i will post that on our youtube channel because we want all of you listeners all the the the, our friends and family to be a part of the moto x pod show so we want to be able to. I want to see, like I said, my buddy uh, Tony Cutler over in New Zealand, I want to see what it's like riding over there. I want to see what it's like with his buddies hanging out. Um, if you have a Supercross party and you can get a little you know, 30-second minute clip, send that to us at MotoXPodShow.com, contact form, send it over, and we'll post it up on YouTube, but we would appreciate all that.
3: Your, uh, your YouTubes of walking through the pits, yeah, those are awesome.
1: I appreciate it, man. I really yeah. like doing it. Um, the only criticism I've gotten so far is – I need to stay a little longer when I'm videoing like some of the bikes, and, and maybe or when I'm walking by, focus a little bit longer instead of just walking right by and not like we're. It's hard for people to actually see what's going on. Yeah, it's yeah, it's different looking at so, video, but yeah, so I'll, I'll work on that. But yeah, I enjoy it, and are doing it's great. Cool, man, it's I appreciate good. it. Well, I've got a lot of good feedback. So
3: maybe you could go do some random acts of kindness videoing with yeah
1: Ray. that's actually not a bad idea good one I'll take that yeah you get credit for that I'll, I'll take the consultant. I'm going to cut that part out so. <laughs> alright we'll take uh, our last break and we'll be back with Nate Adams right our next guest of the night is brought to you by extreme colors helmet painting kirk hunter and extreme colors i will he- paint any helmet for 295 dollars you cannot beat that hit him up on instagram or hit me up at motoxpodshow.com contact form i will get you introduced but like i said our next guest of the night is motocrosser and freestyle motocrosser nate adams what's up nate
9: <laughs> same old stuff man how you guys doing
1: doing good man um Just uh, chilling out here in Texas. The temperature's dropping, and it just started raining a little bit ago. So, yeah, man, just uh, talking a little, Moto, since we can't really go ride any Moto.
9: There we go. All right.
1: So, um, man, um, before we really get into your history, tell me what you've been doing lately.
9: Lately, I've been um, riding a lot here locally. Uh, it's been slow for me since uh, October 1st. I had a pretty big crash and broke my uh, left wrist and left ankle.
1: Oh, fun times. Actually,
9: the b- bottom of my tibia. Yeah, yeah, good times. Um, especially on a trick I've been doing for a decade, you know. It's just one of those things that just, just happens. So uh, yeah. I spent the last few months just healing up and uh, traveled a lot this year, like usual. So uh, I have they're going on three now. They'll be three in April, my twin boys. So I'm just trying to spend a lot of time with them and, and uh, I've been putting a lot of time into Death Family, my glove business. Getting yeah. That, uh, you know, um, I'm just always traveling, always working. I've had, uh, you know, partner issues and had to, buyback inventory or not inventory excuse me ownership oh wow and uh just it's been uh yeah it the last year has just been crazy with with that just a huge headache and uh finally getting things back on track so a lot of time going into deaf family yeah
4: and,
9: and riding locally back on gas powered bikes i was uh with Alta motors for a year which was awesome but uh they they went out of business i'm sure you guys know
1: that yeah yeah, and, we... uh, yeah it's
9: fun so a lot of changes and just having fun still riding dirt bikes and being a dad and that's about it <laughs> awesome <laughs> i, I
1: want to get into all that stuff but something that you just mentioned a minute ago breaking your wrists um so i've been a all sport dynamic wrist brace where since 2007 when i shattered my wrist broke it for the third time i left one also um mm-hmm. have you ever tried wrist braces and and can you do I, I don't know how much freestyle you do anymore but can you could you do tricks with a wrist brace
9: Oh, absolutely, and yeah, I'm, I'm still doing freestyle. I was actually training for Monster Energy Cup when I when I crashed, but okay. uh, yeah, absolutely, um, still full bore on that. But uh, I wore Old Sport Dynamics wrist braces. Uh, I broke my what's it called, the scaphoid yeah, in your wrist, so. yeah. like O three, and then I tried to qualify for Anaheim one. My first attempt, I uh, there was a set of whoops which I was going through a fifth, and downshifted three times, and there was a big, there was a triple that Brock Tickle broke his jaw on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a huge triple out of that left-hand ball. Anyway, hitting it just second, matted, and uh, I must have went through the whoops in fourth and didn't know, uh, I mean, couldn't tell the difference. Downshifted it three times, hit a triple in first, and just framed it. I mean, just oh, got wow. my front wheel over it, and then I dislocated and broke my left wrist, uh, same wrist. And, uh, so I wore it. I wore them for years, and there was a, uh, they have a great system, with how thin the material is in your palm, so it doesn't bunch up, you know, uh, but it still does, so it was always kind of a, as soon as I could not wear it, I would, I would not wear it, but, but they make a great product, but, uh, it, it's freestyle, so you uh, every, every freestyle is just very picky about, yeah. you know, the contact point, what type of boots they, they wear, and, gloves and grips they use because that's just how you know you just want the same thing every time
1: sure well it's interesting why
9: i started Death family because i thought i couldn't stand anyone else's uh, gloves at the time so i made my own gloves
1: yeah it's interesting i guess at that time he now has a pocket that he he sews on to the wrist cuff like like the outer cuff of the the glove Mm. and that little front piece that swivels just pops into that cuff and you don't have to wear the wraparound thing anymore so gotcha. yeah, that's pretty, that's what I've been using for a few years. But anyway, yeah. Um, so let's talk about death for a minute. Um, first time I heard a deaf family, I believe was uh there was an article that I think it was trans world, probably, probably around that time, like 06, 07. I, it's been a while. And, um, they did like a full, like a feature on deaf family and I thought it was really cool. And I ordered my first pair of deaf family. And yeah, I, I loved the, not having the, like the rubber pieces on the knuckles and that, that the thinner material man i i really really love those gloves
9: well thanks man yeah and that, that was kind of it i was uh you know i i just didn't want a bunch of yeah rubber all over the knuckles yeah. and like trip, triple layers in the palm and that just <laughs> right. kind of seemed to give me more blisters and like bunch up more and just hold more sweat in you know just they just got like waterlogged so i just had this simple idea for you know a, a simplistic glove and and, uh, you know, good amount of stretch to it. And, you know, and uh, and that's what I made. And we've just been kind of refining the chassis every year.
1: Mm-hmm.
9: And I uh, feel like we just make a little bit better glove every time. A little bit better glove. So well, how um, do you, we just...
1: How do you get started with that? How do you, like, do research and development and get, you know, get different materials? Like, how do you go figure out how to go about that process?
9: Um, I was really lucky, actually. So I was riding for uh, Thor at the time. Mm-hmm. and uh at the time i had a deal with target i don't know if you remember that for years i oh, had the yeah. target yeah. on my helmet and, yeah. and, and for years i had a deal with target where they actually sourced out and made motocross gloves and i got to have a little input on what i wanted but but they basically went to a factory overseas that makes other companies motocross gloves and, and made their own so i basically had a contract with thor that i didn't have any glove obligations so when I decided to start Death Family and picked out the name and you know done all this stuff I uh, approached Target during that time and said hey do you you know one less thing for you to do I want to start a glove company can you just let me take it over and they gave me the contacts to the factory and everything and I just kind of had the connection to you know the person to talk to and I just and we we made changes and and even then it, it, it took a few rounds of samples and it was harder than i thought yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh and uh yeah but that's it, it really was kind of uh just a blessed deal i kind of got lucky i had a gloveless contract and in response was making gloves but as long as i you know kept their logos and they got approved, proof check them and all that they were cool with me doing it you know one less thing for them to do
1: yeah so, that's awesome just right place kind of right guarantee. time yep okay well let's step back a little bit so i i read your bio you know and i was doing a little research and uh you know you started riding at eight years old um is that because dad rode too, or, you know, how did that come to be?
9: Oh yeah. Dad rode, still rides. Uh, my dad grew up in Texas. Um, uh, where is it? uh, Amarillo.
1: Okay. Yeah. We're, that's a couple hours West of Dallas. We're, and we're actually in Texas. We're a couple hours East of Dallas and Tyler.
9: Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. But he, he grew up a farm kid and just riding on his, on his farm all the time. And in, uh, got into flat track and he raced professional flat track for years. And then it wasn't until, um, kind of when me and my brother came around and had an interest in motocross and he, he did a little bit of that, but now he's just doing all trail riding enduro and stuff. And he still goes hard. He, he awesome. loves it. And, and yeah, and he's a go getter for sure. Uh, that's where I get my kind of my competitive side from. But, uh, but yeah, growing up just seeing dad's bikes in the garage and stuff, always wanted one. Yeah. And, uh, so my dad got, yeah, 1983 cr60 and that was my first bike.
1: and how did you do the first you know how long before you started racing first of all and then how did you do uh
9: i never raced on my 60 we just did a lot of desert riding and uh got on the 80s and me and my brother did some racing i was probably i don't know 10 9 or 10 Mm -hmm. by the time i raced and uh did okay i guess and uh um it's funny I see Chris Blow like getting you know like battling for fifth in, yeah. in the main and I'm like I I raced with Chris on 80s like it's <laughs> awesome. the same in racing but <laughs> but uh, anyway yeah I was I guess like I get like fourth and fifth I don't think I ever podiumed growing up in 80 intermediate so it was fun and then uh, you know that was kind of my first love was racing but I just got to when I was probably, like 12 like all the videos started coming out Terra Firma yeah. and crusty roots, and it was just, you know, learn how to do it. Everyone wanted to learn how to do a knack-knack or a heel quicker, and I, I did, and then I learned like like two foot of can, and then I was learning how to whip, and and then uh, I got on the 125, and, and it was like, everything was so much easier. Jumps were so much easier, <laughs> and I kind of just started cliffhanging. It just started coming. I cut, cut wow. you know, all these tricks started coming, and then I was like, well, I'm going to cut a hole in my airbox like all those guys do, and it just... <laughs> kind of was just started happening and I could go ride and make these jumps and build jumps that like Robert and John Dissler were making and Jeff Detzer, Jim McNeil, uh, rest in peace. Uh, all these older, you know, these guys are a few years, if not five or 10 years older than me. So I was kind of tagging along with those guys and it was just fun. I could go, you know, ride all weekend for 20 bucks, you know, rather than a couple hours at the track for, you know, 30 bucks. So, and that's just kind of how I got into freestyle. Okay. That, that that was it. I kind of never went back to racing until I I was 20 and did the Lake Whitney National Intermediate class. And then I think yeah, you know, three years later I I tried for Anaheim, but I didn't do. I mean, I was pretty much freestyling between. Then I'd train for like a month and then go race <laughs> and see how I do.
1: Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's you mentioned Lake Whitney, man. That's that's uh yeah. I hate that that place is gone because that's about four hours from us, and it was fantastic. Mm.
9: Amazing track, yeah. I think they just had a lot of injuries there. Um, I'm not certain, but yeah, they they shut it down.
1: That's a bummer. Yeah, um, you know, you're sitting there talking about like, oh, everybody wanted to do a, a you know a, a and a can can, and like, yeah, I still <laughs> want to be able to do that stuff, but don't have the <laughs> guts. Like, I don't even know how to whip. I'm 43 years old. I've been riding most of my life, and I couldn't. I mean, I could get it sideways, but I can't get it back. I can't figure it out. I don't. I think it's just commitment, but it scares the shit out of me.
9: Well, you got to start small. You can't just throw a big one and be like, "Well, I got to commit." You know, right. but uh, I'd say uh, definitely being like tight with the bike with your legs—that'll give you like leverage to lean on the bars and kind of you can push on the bars and on your legs on, into the bike, and it'll kind of leverage things to bring things back. But just start small, like, super small, and and it'll just over time you'll start to get the feel for it.
1: All right. Well, next, I'm supposed to race this weekend, so maybe I'll th- I'll try to throw a little. Baby butt whip or something. Save it
9: after the race, like after the race, you know. Okay, after, after the race. Okay. All right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I may be too old to start trying to progress at that point. <laughs> <But> <laughs> if
9: you're not feeling it, just, just leave it alone. Right.
1: Leave it. <laughs> so you started doing, you know, going to these free rides, I guess, you know, and then you start learning these tricks. How long before, like, what's the state of freestyle when – You know, once you start learning some tricks, like, where where are we at?
9: Okay, so, like, I started learning tricks probably, like, 99. Okay. And I was born in 84, so, yeah, I was, like, you know, 15, 16. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd say this is probably the only contest that have happened is probably, like, X Games. And I don't know if you remember those Four Leaf Entertainment where uh, there was, like, one in Havasu, uh, Tacoma. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, they, they had those... Uh, Las Vegas, they'd have it'd be like a big dirt bowl and all these lips in and out. You remember those courses? So that's like when I first started competing, like back way back then. Probably a lot of the listeners probably don't remember that time, but the courses were awesome. Everything was dirt. There wasn't no one had heard of a metal takeoff ramp yet or landing. Everything was all all dirt, and it was uh, it was awesome. That was uh. So in two thousand, I did my first contest after. I've been riding with uh John and Robert Dissler who were already doing they're kind of like Arizona legends and they were already doing some of these contests and uh they told me after riding with them in the desert like hey send a tape into uh Four Leaf Entertainment ISMA which was Pace Motorsports which is now um, I believe yeah. it is. Anyway, it's so long ago. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. literally mailed, mailed a VHS.
1: <laughs> That's awesome.
9: <laughs> and I got a call, and they said, "Yeah, come and ride." And and if you get through practice, and we think you're capable, you can ride the contest. And and I did, and and uh, everything everything worked out. And I ended up getting the seventh out of ten, out of ten guys. And and they invited me back for it was Salt Lake City two weeks later and I did that. And they invited me for Denver a week after that. So I did that. And, uh, just me and my dad going to all these things. Wow. And, um, that was it. And they, after those first three, uh, that was the end of like, they were doing winter, spring, and then like fall into winter tours mm-hmm. and they'd have a the summer break. And it was like 20 shows each, each, you know, so, uh, 20 in the spring, 20 in the fall. And then they said, Hey, you can be on for the full fall tour. And that was it. And that was, I was 15. And, and, uh, that was it i was into freestyle and (laughs) didn't race for a while (laughs) so
1: at this at this time period when you're first doing these first few events one what is your big trick and two your dad who's like an old school you know flat tracker and desert rider probably a little bit what is his thoughts on freestyle (laughs)
4: um
9: my dad uh well my biggest trick was a superman C grab okay and that was like like a little bit above level with the seat, like a little. We're not even talking heart attack, n- right. At all, yeah. Like a little bit angled up, and I remember them just in pictures, just looking so massive. And but anyway, it was, uh, my dad. I remember my dad in, in Houston at my very first contest. He he was nervous. I was nervous, and uh, he told me. He he told me like. Whoa we don't have to do this if, <laughs> if you don't want to. He said, like, you, you don't have to do it at all. Just tell me. There's no shame and, and we'll pack it up and go home. And I was like, no, no, I want to do it. And uh anyway, yeah, he was, uh my dad just wanted me, I think at first he was hesitant, especially my mom, for sure. Oh, yeah, and I can then, imagine. Uh, asked, yeah, and I had done some local kind of stuff before this and it was like, I could go jump and have fun and, and make, you know, I'd make like 300 bucks at like 15. And my dad was kind of like, okay, he might be able to, you know, my dad traveled in his van for years, racing flat track, live in off that, you know, he's like, yeah. maybe, you know, maybe that was what Nate could do for a time. It'd be fun for him, you know? And, uh, anyway, so did that first contest. I made like 1100 bucks and then, and then my dad was like, okay, well, my dad's a carpet layer, And he's like, I can't take off, you know, days every week or week. So you got to pay for everything. So I started paying for everything. And, and I think I just, kind of proved to my dad that I really, really wanted this. Yeah. And, uh, I don't think he expected me to say, oh, okay, yeah, I'll pay for everything. I'll pay for the, <laughs> the hotels, the flight, plane, plane flights. And, <laughs> and, all right, that. Yeah. and I, I think I just proved to my dad that uh, this is really what I want out of life. And, and, uh, he was, he never, he was old. My dad still just supports the heck out of me. He would, he would, uh, you know, I, he Years after this uh, next story happened, my dad's, you know, my biggest supporter for sure, he's, uh, you know, I could, at this time, this is probably like, I think 2010 or 2011, it was mm-hmm. X Games, and, and and at that point I could I could be like, oh, hey, Monster, I need another hotel room. Forgot to tell you. And they'd be like, oh, okay, you know, no problem. Right. They just it, It's just kind of how things were working back then. And uh, my dad drives over from Phoenix to watch – you know, X games and doesn't even tell me, I, I ask him, you know, do you need a room? No, I got one. I got one. He's sleeping in his truck. Oh, wow. And like, like That's just like the It's like a, it was a Chevy Colorado. It's not a,
4: it's Ooh, like a little truck.
9: Got a big foot. Yeah, I no, uh, that That's my daddy. He's, he's, he's the man. So he's been my biggest supporter all along.
1: That's amazing. I love that. Um, you know, and I guess, you know, now like when the, they go to do freestyle competitions, all the jumps are, perfect pretty much the ramps are perfect the distances are perfect how random (laughs) was it back then i mean you just have to kind of like the distances couldn't have been like uniform
9: that's a great question that that is a really good question i don't think i've ever been asked that and (sighs) no and no they weren't and it was everything was different and they have you know i remember guys like you look at these lifts and these landings which are like you know, anthill is just a peak at the top. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, yeah, like the tip of a pen and be like, who's building this? And I'm like, oh, well, we only, we didn't get any, we couldn't build, get any like supercross or motocross track builders. These are like monster truck <laughs> course builders. And that should give you a little, yeah, set a little light on the situation for you. And, uh, and really the attitude then, like nowadays, let's say, we got a field of ten riders for a big contest. Take your pick, whatever contest it is, and maybe two or three guys are like, "Hey, this something's not right about this ramp." You know, one of my main tricks I'm going to do off this ramp doesn't feel right. One or two other guys agree with them. They'll have a meeting and most likely change things. Mm-hmm. And all the other and all of us other good riders will be, be like, "Okay, you know, I well, I don't mind if you pop that ramp up a little bit or, or mellow it out. You know, dig it down into the dirt a little bit." Because when it happens to you, you want everyone else to bend with you a little bit. And it is, you know, we're all buds and we're doing kind of, especially guys now are doing, you know, life and death stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, so, so anyway, it's, uh, back then, if you didn't like to jump, I mean, don't jump it with the (laughs) attitude. Ride around it, it don't jump it, or pack it up, pack it up and go home. They're not changing the list. They're not changing the distance and back then it was moving a whole dirt list so it's not like you could just slide a ramp in and out like if you can't hit it oh you're on a 125 and it won't make it from the corner you should, next week you should be on a 250 that was literally <laughs> like literally the, the attitude right they tell kenny kenny bartram that all the time and it was just a much uh i mean if you think about it it was just it was all racers yeah back then it was racer people people building the courses and, and racers going out going into freestyle and that was just the mentality of it so it was it was a lot different for sure.
1: And how about the like this the attitudes of the riders cuz there a lot of characters came out of especially early uh freestyle, you know, with like you you mentioned um Kenny Barcham, and just you know, you had the bad boys, you know, the it was kind of like you are the rebels of the motocross world a little bit. Um how much of that was an act, or how much of that was, like, real?
9: Um, I guess it kind of depends on who you're talking about. Kenny Bartram's a real dude. Sure. Um, De- Deegan's a real dude. Uh, Feist is a real dude. Twitch, all those guys. I mean, there were some kind of guys that just, I feel like, put on the act. And and I know for a fact they're not tough at all, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, Deegan's a real deal. Yeah. Feist is a real deal. Like, all those guys were... were yeah, the real deal. Okay. I mean, i've I've seen I've seen it. Yeah, those guys will we were, were living it and and uh, throwing down at any second and going hard for sure and and great riders and and it was for you know it's funny how the sport went because it was like yeah the rebels started it but right dudes like me were watching the whole time and soaking it up though you know at the same time you know Carrie Hart was doing seat grabs and it was coming out in magazines I was doing them too yeah. It was, you know, yeah. which was back then. Kerry probably did it months before then. But by the time I saw it in a magazine, I'm like, oh, you know, so it's like I was, I kind of, had, when I started doing contests, I was right on par with everyone and just had to get used to riding these courses and arenas. And, you know, there was a learning curve there, but, uh but it, yeah, it was just, those guys were the real deal, man. They were coming over from racing and enjoying the freedom that they could, you know, not have team managers and all that. And the sport was crazy and kind of, at that point I was definitely the black sheep and the wilder <laughs> and crazier you were, the, it was, the more people wanted to sponsor you yeah. and the more just better you did. It seemed like, and that just wasn't me. And, and uh, and, and now, you know, people like, I think like me came on, I wanted to make a, a life. I'm like, I'm not going to make it in racing. I love freestyle. I'm, this is, I'm going a hundred percent at this. And it kind of made things, uh, you know, me and, and, Dozens of other guys kind of made everything get more professional, and and now the sport's totally clean cut and corporate sponsorships, and everyone's serious. And it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's very, very serious. I mean, double backflips are in everybody's run. It's crazy. I mean, it's just crazy. The so it, it's absolutely a hundred percent serious, and and they're at we're athletes, and that's how I always took it. I was never like a partier. Or, you know, thrashing my body. The only way I thrashed my body was through my injuries. You know, I, yeah. I was tra- training and running and road biking and working out, and I wanted it to, to be my deal, you know, be my living and my life for as, as long as I could. So, um, But, yeah, those guys were Travis, too. I mean, Travis was exactly who you saw on the TV. And he was happy-go-lucky, and amazingly in a good mood all the time. Yep. And just. So freaking ballsy! Dude. Oh, <laughs> I know every never time. Met, never met anyone else like Travis. He's yeah. just a one of a kind dude.
1: So. Yeah. Every time I meet him, he is 150 miles an hour. What you know? So, yeah. <laughs> you know, in talking about yep. the progression, like I'm, you're sitting there talking about certain things, and it's take me back. Like I remember the first time I saw the knack knack, and it was in a in an article, you know, on McGrath, and I'm like, that's impossible. And then. You know, you move ahead to the, like the Superman seat grab and like, no, no way. Uh, uh-uh, I can't, that's gotta be, you know, and, and then the first flip and, and then the double back flip and, and, and okay, well that's no way is it ever going to get more progressive than this. And then they do a front flip and they do three sixties and like, mm-hmm. like, man, it's just unreal how many times I was blown away by the progression of freestyle and what guys are willing to do.
9: Yeah. Yeah. It was, man, it was crazy because, it, uh, you know, I've heard other guys attest to it too, you know, like Deacon and stuff, they were just all of a sudden making like really good money mm-hmm. and and having all this attention and being able to like, oh my gosh, I got a real opportunity here. And, uh, you know, the money was rolling in and it was just like, there's it's always it was always worth it to someone to just do something new or do something better or, you know, start learning something that everyone's doing right side up or upside down, you know, like, you know, like ruler flips and heart attacks yeah. and double grab and rock solid. It was just always, someone always wanted it bad enough. And as soon as someone did it, it was like the floodgates open. Everyone was learning that trick. And so you had to come with something new. It felt like every weekend and it was just progressing so fast. And, and uh, you know, and I, you know, I'm, I'll be 35 in March and I had to just, day one day like it's always going to be worth it to someone (laughs) and i was that guy i remember wanting nothing more than to beat travis and deegan and twitch and feist and it's just like i wanted that more than (laughs) you know i I wouldn't have admitted it at the time but i just wanted to beat those guys and and, uh you just got to say you know what yeah it's it is what it is yeah yeah it's, it's not that it's not worth it to me anymore it's just you know the the heart and the mind want it but it's Sometimes you just have to say, I'm. It's, it's past my level. Like Josh Sheehan doing a triple backflip. He's like 120 feet in the air. Oh, yeah. It's just, yeah it's, 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 like, I, I'm, I just have to admit, I'm not going to do that. I, <laughs> I love riding my dirt bike. I'm always going to flip and whip and have fun and right. represent my sponsors well if I have any. And, you know, and and keep the content coming on Instagram. But it's like, I, I have to draw the line someday. Absolutely. Cause it's always worth it for somebody, you know.
4: Yeah.
1: So. No, well, I, I get that uh, for sure. Like just talking about not being able to whip, you know. I'm like, ah, eh, is it worth it? Because if I get hurt, I can't go to my day job.
9: No, man. Oh my goodness, and oh man, that's um. I've had a job being a dirt bike rider since I was 15. So right. I've never, I've never had to be like, oh, I gotta go to work on Monday because then I'm at work already. You know. Well. And yeah. uh, man, but that's a totally different ball game. When you get hurt on the bike and you can't make money, that's a bummer. Yep.
1: Yeah, well a couple years ago I shattered my collarbone and um shit, what would I maybe the year before I, I broke my wrist again. I can't remember. I've had a couple oh no, it was my other collarbone. So in the last few years I've missed six weeks at a time of my day job because of injuries, just racing mm. amateur motocross. So yeah, it doesn't go well at work sometimes. <laughs> but uh so no. hey, let's go back to the first X games. Um what does that mean for the sport? I mean, does that is that did that legitimize freestyle as a as a sport, or was it you know did it take a little while even after that? Because I mean, X Games, especially the early ones, were huge.
9: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I don't think it was. I was pretty young back then. Yeah, I was like thirteen or fourteen
4: mm-hmm.
1: or
9: something when those started coming around. So I don't really remember. But okay, you know, it's I'd say, I'd say it was. Probably being taken very seriously, kind of. I feel really blessed. Like my career kind of followed. What I feel like is, that I came in at the perfect time. The sport was growing, and it was just getting started, and it was catching, you know, all this notoriety and attention from companies and and people and riders and and. But I feel like yeah, as the years go went on, X Games and Gravity Games and uh, the X Fighters Tours, those all those things together just globally made it uh absolutely, you know, I feel like it was just in every it, for a moment there I just it was huge. It was everyone knew about freestyle. Oh, it, yeah. It like and it was just growing so fast and it was in everyone's, you know, house in some shape or another, and, you know, on the T V or on the phone or, or whatever. And uh yeah, it was just I'd say probably like oh oh one, two, three, something like that. It was people started taking it like a like a real sport and then yeah, when due tours started to be coming and then the Red Bull X Fighters were just cranking, it was, yeah, I think it was, that was just, that was a really fun time. I can tell you that. For,
4: yeah, I
1: mean, for
9: just how, how busy we were. It was in like every weekend we were at a big major contest and, and you're just training and so nervous and looking forward to all these events all the time. It was, it was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I was sitting there looking at some of your uh, stats and you have five X Game Gold medals, 20 total. Um, you got a Red Bull X Fighters champion. Uh, you know 2002 freestyle motocross world championship at 18 years old i mean yeah you a very accomplished career um you know you may say right place right time but i think honestly from what i remember that was the height of the sport almost and you were on top more often than not probably
9: well well thanks and yeah i i really feel that way that too that um that it was the it was the peak of the sport mm-hmm. i really feel just You know, obviously the tricks are are much bigger now, and I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm not taking anything away from anyone. I mean, these guys have risen the bar so many times, and, and, but man, when it was, uh, just a a really well-rounded talent field, you know, guys like Travis would be there, and, and Vegan, and Feist, and all these guys that, you know, Travis is a supercross and motocross champion yeah if you compete against him you you feel that like he's really good (laughs) he's not just a good freestyle rider free rider he's he's a really he's an amazing dirt bike rider and uh you know it was the courses were i remember walking up to some courses and it's just like oh my gosh you're nervous (laughs) and and not just because like you're gonna miss time something but like how am i gonna jump everything get like comfortable to where I know what tricks I can do off each jump and plan a run in, you know, 15 minutes total. You know, two practices equaling 15 minutes. And uh, just the the sport was just cranking. I'm at, like, Brazil. We did at uh, X-Fighters, the seating filled up, so they opened up, like, all this grass area around.
4: Oh, wow. They just opened
9: up standing room, and they estimated 120,000. They don't even know, but they estimated 120,000 people.
4: That's insane.
9: I mean, these, it was insane. These contests we do, like in Russia and Moscow, same thing. They overflowed on this whole street was filled with people. There's no traffic going through over this bridge, over a river. It was insane. The contests were just insane. We were in the right in front of the Kremlin.
4: Wow! Like, On
9: the Kremlin, we we were on the bricks on the Kremlin. There's what the an experience! Yeah, just did this. I was just like freestyle is gonna be like as big as Supercross. Yeah, it's gonna be like a household sport. Right, it was just crazy how how amazing these events were, and and uh, yeah, X Games was you know all it was like celebrities were there and everyone was into it. It was just a crazy time, good times, man.
1: Yeah, it's funny like people that aren't motocross, freestyle motocross, like like in in the lifestyle, just the the um random. Uh, person who kind of sees it or what, like if you say hey I race motocross they're like oh you mean those tr- you do those tricks so like most people <laughs> that don't really know I think associate motocross with really freestyle motocross that's what they comes to their mind because it really was more in the um, public eye I think for the general public because of the X Games and and the, all the big events that were going on the do tours at the time um, mm-hmm. yeah they got a lot of national coverage it seems like
9: yeah, it was, you know, it was freestyle it was grouped in with skateboarding and snowboarding, yeah, yeah. you know, Winter X games and DMX. So it kind of got a lot of urban and culture, uh, uh, attention and, uh, a lot of inner city because we go to these do tours and stuff. We'd be, you know, downtown, downtown Denver. So we'd be right down, right down in, in the thick of everything. Just everyone's right there. And people who have no, I know, I'd never even seen a dirt bike in person are coming and watching, you know, Pastrana compete. <laughs> and they're like this is sweet you know and they're seeing the bmxers and and uh all the skateboard stuff and so it just we, we got a lot of attention and and we were just you know obviously next to you know the bmx skate snow all those athletes mm-hmm. you know, definitely it definitely helped us you know uh, be validated you know in 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 those in those sports and in those those different worlds you know
4: Sure. It's crazy
9: cuz now like all the racers like you know Josh Hill loves free riding free yeah, style, yeah. and freestyle and basically a free rider and a freestyler now and and, uh, it was just, there was a time when it was like, they hated each other. It's so cool to see that everything, do you, you remember that? When oh, it like, racers and freestyles didn't yes. mesh at all. Like, yes. you know, it was like, I lost, I lost, like dudes wouldn't park next to me because I, I would, you know, <laughs> road freestyle sometimes. So it was like, it was, it was weird when I started doing it. Now it, it's totally opposite. Everyone's, everyone loved it. And, you know, when I see like Ken and out in the hills with Twitch free ride, yes. Yeah, it's awesome. really cool. Yeah, I
1: agree. It It's kind of weird when you think back to those, like I said, I brought up those attitudes and stuff in the early days of there had to be re- rebels. And I, I wonder if that was a lot just to, because they needed to separate themselves a little bit maybe, but yeah, now that there's a lot of respect and, um, I mean, God, what the guy, the, the ability that riders like yourselves have just the feeling of being able to, you know, to put the bike in those positions is unreal. Like I said, I've been riding most of my life and I don't have even close to that kind of talent or ability
9: you know it's well Well, thank you but it was um, I think it, it's funny because I I think some people just have you know some people can do a backflip on a trampoline some people fly off of it every time <laughs> yeah,
4: you know, yeah it's true just,
9: they they just have it or they don't and yeah. I remember watching like awesome riders and, and no offense I, I love Ronnie but Ronnie Renner struggled with the flint to learn it okay. struggled for it seemed like years before he finally had it down to so where he wouldn't just like have a random under rotate or over rotate you know and and uh, it just—I never would have expected that. Drake McElroy, too, awesome dirt bike rider, mm-hmm. struggled so hard with the flip. I basically feel like, and no offense to Drake, and he had some big crashes on it, and kind of just made him be like, "Dude, I'm—I'm I'm over it, <laughs> and he's done." And and like Doug Parsons too, struggled with it. And there was like guys I—I I wouldn't think would ever have the skill to master. I'm not gonna mention any names, but then <laughs> boom, they're doing flips, doing flip tricks, and and uh, you know, kind of got everything everything in between so the flip coming out really kind of mixed things up but but yeah that was a that was a weird one it was right it just got some people and and some people it didn't but when you start doing that and you and you've got the feel for it you you know how to let go of your bike and how long you can float next to it and how what things will make it move away from you or not like you start understanding that whole Thing. It's it's kind of like when I've been riding and training a lot for racing you just get into a groove and like it happens without even thinking about it you find the flow you know you're just in in the flow right and uh you can really just get to where yeah you just know how to manipulate your bike so well and, and what would happen if you did this or turn the bars the opposite way <laughs> or you know took this hand off and pushed with this foot and all that so it just kind of once you start, the more you start doing it, the more it just comes. But again, yeah. I'm not telling you to start now. No, you're, no. You're not feeling it. Leave the whip alone. Dude. Okay. I'll take that
1: advice. <laughs> trust me. Um, hey, before I let you go, um, you mentioned the the twin boys. Um, tell me about that, becoming a father and how that's changed uh, your life. Um, it's
9: the, the biggest change I've ever, ever gone through and, and the best change in their They're amazing. Yeah, I just put them down to bed a little bit ago. And like I said, they're going to be three in April. And and I I just can't believe where the time's going. (laughs) You become a dad. You don't want to miss a moment. And especially like now, they're just talking so much. And and like I got them out of the bath. And, you know, I wanted to get done before, you know, (laughs) we we had our call here. I wanted to make sure I was done in time. And I'm like, all right, guys, you know, story time. Let's go to bed. And they're like, no, no. (laughs) They really got this. We have a, a train table. And a whole train on, train set on it. And then it's a whole Thomas the Train scene. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, no, dad, dad, play with you, play with you, both <laughs> of them. And they're just smiling. So, of course, yeah, I'm playing trains. With of course. Them. It's just very cool. And it's that, uh, yeah, me and my wife are just love them so much. And, and, uh, it's, it's the coolest thing. And then I just, I fear for the days when I'm just going to watch them take a digger on their bike or something. Yep. I just, ah, it's going to be, <laughs> it's gonna I, be was... I don't know how my dad, my dad did it.
1: I was pretty glad that my son didn't fall in love with it. He rode for probably a maybe six months or so, and it scared me every time he went out to ride. And like I couldn't, I didn't feel like I could ride because I had to pay attention to him. And when he decided he wasn't into it, I was so happy.
9: Oh yes, yeah. There's a part of me that just wants them to do it for fun. Yeah. For kind of like my, my brother has been. My brother is awesome dirt bike rider. I mean, he would. He, he he could have went pro and, and been. I'm not saying like a champion or anything, mm-hmm. but like a guy that could make main events and stuff. But anyway, he just my brother would just. I remember my dad getting mad at him. I, we'd go out for a practice night, and my brother would ride five, six laps, and pull off, and he'd be done. Like he just had, and he would quit riding for a year, sell a bike, and buy another one, have it for six months. <laughs> so he just right. kind of dabble in it, and I hope for that. For I kind of do hope for that for my sons. There's a part of me that wants them to love it, but man, I know if they do, it's just they're gonna have injuries man yeah. it's gonna
1: happen <laughs> Dude, get them into
9: music i don't know if i can handle it yeah music or, or hunting or ball, ball sports
4: or something
1: yeah but man music like music is so rad you know if if you could play a piano or a guitar you if you won you, you know there's a lot of work out there and two chicks dig musicians just as much as they do motocross riders so yeah mu- music's the way they're to go funny.
9: I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna
1: make a note. That's right on. Time. Well, Nate, man, <laughs> congratulations on all your achievements and your career. And man, it was it was really fantastic talking to you. Honestly, you're the first freestyler we've had on. Um, oh. Yeah, it's, I just haven't had a chance to get any. Of the, I, I talked to Twitch at A1, and um, you know, I, I think we're gonna have some other guys on eventually. But I, I was just, man, it was a great talking to you. It was really rad. I. I I think it's fantastic talking about the, the old the the, the way the sport has uh progressed and hearing your story. Thank you.
9: Well thanks man. Thanks for having me on. I had a great time and, and appreciate it. If you guys uh wanna wanna do it again in the future, let me know.
4: Yeah, so, we uh, will. We'll we'll all follow the people up. out
9: there All right, yeah. Sounds great. Yeah, all the people out there listening if you want to keep up with me. Uh, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook, I'm Nate Adams seven four one. So
1: definitely. Yeah we'll uh up. we'll uh we'll i'll be probably be tomorrow once i get everything posted i'll i'll tweet and and instagram about the show being up and we'll tag you in it and our listeners can follow you and uh once again man thank you so much right
9: on thank you and uh yeah we'll talk soon okay Take care.
1: all right you too bud thanks
9: all right See ya. all right bye all
1: right that's nate adams um anyway we're gonna wrap this up uh I, i'm sure you guys noticed that how wasn't in studio um we had to wait about an hour from the last interview we did with Jay before this one because like uh, Nate said he was getting his kids to bed so how had to head home but i appreciate him coming in studio thank you to all our sponsors all our listeners uh, please again patreon youtube follow us on social media and we will talk to you soon probably uh i'm we'll trying to do another show maybe this week with a few extra a few extra interviews and maybe patreon only but uh just stick Follow us on Instagram and all that, and we'll let you know what's going on. See ya. I have seen the bleeding, and I hear what we've
2: done. But just like every other fool here, I'll keep marching on. Because I know that I'll be coming home soon. And yes, I know that I'll be coming home